to show you something. What is it? I got, I got this. Look at it. It's a Tom and Jerry toy toolbox. A toy toolbox, yeah. huh? What, what have you got? Ow! Yeah, that's the hammer. Ow! Yeah, and this is the axe. Ah! Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this is the part where I showed no. you off a cliff. Oh. That's not in the toolbox. I just thought it'd be awesome. It was. Hi, it's Paul Dini. This is Misty Leo. We are having the best time eating disgusting pizza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have Spencer Spike and Tony in the house. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ezra just gave me a dirty look because I yelled. Also because <laughs> I didn't mention him, but I just did. So I think we're squared away. Okay. Spike Brandt and Tony Cervoni from Warner Brothers Animation are back. At Castle Dini Stein, fresh from Comic Con. And they're laughing because this is not a castle that we're in. No. <laughs> but Dump Dini Stein doesn't sound. It does have tourists. Doesn't it's sound as big. It's not a dump. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, well. But we were all at Comic Con and we had a good time and uh, we showed the world premiere of Tom and Jerry's Giant Adventure, which is a direct to video animated feature that Spike and Tony have been directing for the last, what, year and a half? Almost two years now it's been. Yeah, it's, I, so it's, I think it's maybe a little over a year. Yeah. 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 But I, that's not the only thing you guys have been working on either, is it? Oh, I mean, no. Like you work on that concurrently. Yeah. I mean, we were we were doing that while uh, uh, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated was going on, right. the Looney Tunes show. Um, so that that took up uh, some of our time too. Now, so. I, I think I should explain to our listeners that you guys are the preeminent, what I would call, for lack of a better term funny guys over at Warner Brothers, the, the characters that are not the superhero guys that James Tucker and Bruce Timm do, you're doing Scooby-Doo, Tom and Jerry, um, the Looney Tunes, the Hanna-Barbera uh, Hanna characters when they come up. I know there's some uh, um, revival of some of the Hanna-Barbera characters over there going on currently. And um, Please bring back Top Cat. <laughs> he's back. Doing it. Yeah, they're doing it. He's oh, back. that he, makes me so happy. He, he just, they're, he just doing really, it, they're doing it in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. He just I had a movie released in Mexico. English and I wanted to be here. They're only popular in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, they're very popular in Mexico. They could yeah. be popular here if we would put them on the television. Don Gato, as he's called. In, in Don Gato? Don Gato. He's like the godfather of cats. Yeah, well, it should be. You know you're petting be an invisible Pepe dog Gato right now. or something like Boss Cat or something like what? You're, you're petting an invisible dog right now. There's no dog there, and you're still petting the air. Where are the dogs? Sooner or later, a dog will just come under the Where's Duke? <laughs> he's laying on the bed. Oh, all right. Okay. Where's Hobart? But he's right here. Oh, there he is. Hey, Hobart. Yeah. So, anyway, here. what's a typical day like for you guys since you're juggling so many shows? Are they always different? I mean, like, do you go from... Oh, my God. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't die. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to. That's because he has had his <coughs> disgusting pizza. That's what happened. Yes, I, I, we, we're eating pizza, and I created a pizza tonight that I nicknamed after one of the Hulk's villains, the Abomination. So this has uh, jalapeno peppers and anchovies and pineapple on it. And just to make it supremely inedible, I coated it with scorpion <laughs> pepper sauce. <laughs> What I ate like? four pieces of it, and it was both disgusting and delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I told him not to tell you that because it would only encourage you. Yeah. But he took it as though it was I a took challenge. It, the first piece was kind of a dare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, I'm, it's kind I'm... of what it's always like to eat at our house, isn't it? You eat everything is on a dare. Whenever Deanie prepares it, it's like, what's in it? 
take a bite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to. It's is like, it uh, hot? I always have to ask him, is it hot? <laughs> and then and he's like, he says no. And then you put it in your mouth and you got fire shooting out of your ears and your eyeballs fall on the floor and they're crying out of your head. Or it's like, you like, he goes, I didn't think it was spicy. Well, he has a different, a different definition of hot. Yeah. Blech. So I asked you guys, what's a typical day like for you guys? So that someone at home knows because you guys are juggling so much. A minimum of three shows all the time over there, yeah? It slowed down a little while, but now it slowed down and then picked up a little bit just recently. Yeah, it really depends on, you know, what shows, you know, what what they need. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, sometimes you're just starting starting shows out and so you're, you you know you got to come up with the ideas and then sometimes you're deep in into production where you know you you may be recording you know the 10th show while you know the first ones are starting to come back and and so we've kind of done stuff a little bit tag team where mm -hmm. you know Tony may be working you know doing doing editing while I'm helping out with storyboard cleanup or you know, and there's there's lots of people to help make these shows. Sure. And, What's and okay. two also um, with the characters too? You know, we do split things up a, a little bit. You know, like I I'm happy to be here and talk about Tom and Jerry, but I have to admit that Spike does like 99 percent of the heavy lifting when it comes to Tom and Jerry. I I, I can just poke my nose in and give opinions every now and then. Do you guys have favorite characters that you love to work on? You like Red Hot, right, Spike? Like oh yeah, her. and and we've actually you know in, in these Tom and Jerry's because you know she's sort of part of that uh, MGM universe, uh, and I think we've done I don't know if we've done four or five of these, but she's in mm -hmm. most of them playing some kind of a, a main character as she right. is as she is in this one. Mm -hmm. So um, I have had the great pleasure of uh, animating her, you know. Uh, quite a few times now. Mm -hmm. That's I, cool. I had an animation bucket list of, or it was more like a wish list of things that I would love to do in my career, and I made it a long time ago. And there were things I thought, well, in this day and age, it's absolutely impossible to do these things. And one was to do a Batman cartoon in the style of the Fleischer Supermans, and lo and behold, I got a chance to do that. And the other big thing was to someday do a Red Hot Riding Hood dance number. Like the, I don't think you'd look good in the outfit. Like, to, not 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 me. Oh, well, that was what you <laughs> that's said. That's more grotesque than the pizza. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Oh, no, that's in my. Oh, Bruce Tim somewhere is going like. Ha, ha. He's like, oh, look how it flops over the edge of the little tutu here. Oh, Bruce I, Tim doesn't listen to this. I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, if he does, he should he should come on the show sometime. But yeah. um, but to to do a to work on a cartoon that would have a scene like that and because i i love those cartoons from when i saw them you know i didn't see them quite all that often when i was a kid it was more when i went to revival houses when i was in college that's when i really began getting aware of the character and i just thought they were wonderful and i thought it's of its time it's a day and age and it'll never come back but then with the mgm characters being purchased by turner and then having this resurgence now we can use it's like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. You can use all the Looney Tunes. You can use all the MGM characters. So in the um, the movie that we all worked on, wait, we're gonna get there and talk okay. about it. I uh, want to ask Tony who's his favorite character. Well, I just wanted to say that I, it was great working on a picture that included that opportunity to yeah. come up with a song and dance number for. <laughs> okay, all right. What's your favorite character, Tony? Do you know? 
my favorite cartoon character. Yes, to, um, to play with or draw or mess I've around. I've had a lot of fun with the Looney Tunes, and I'm. You guys did the redesign on those, right? You were, yeah, on the, you guys on worked the on that show. a little bit. Uh-huh. But I mean, over the year, you know, it's been like twenty years on and off uh-huh. with the Looney Tunes, and and that's I've enjoyed it an awful lot. But I'm also kind of glad to be take a break from it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's no one specific character that really. Stands I, out I like Bugs the most, but he's also the hardest character. And my two favorite characters are Bugs and Superman, and both are the most impossible characters in the world to get right. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. And they're also two of the most beloved, yeah, which means right. that people are going to yeah. nitpick everything you. So the last question that I have, and Spencer, who before I move on, who's your favorite character in the Warner Brothers slash MGM universe? You have one. Oh, uh, that's a tie between. Ten different characters. Pick two. <laughs> First two. Uh, probably Bugs and Daffy. Oh, fair enough. Right. That's a good combination, too. Okay, so favorite part of the process, because you are responsible for so many things. <clears throat> you were talking about storyboarding, development, voice recording. Like, what's your favorite thing you know, to do? I really like, I like all of, all of it. And I think it's great because, you know... You're able to really shape the shape the story and and be in it from the from the beginning all the way through to editing. But the thing that I really love to do that we don't really get to do all that much is to an- actually animate to make the characters move. And so, like on this project, um, we actually got to animate. That's and awesome. The, it's. As far as you know, doing 2D animation here in Los Angeles, not many people are doing it, and uh, we're we were actually able to animate quite a bit of this uh, Time and Jerry Giant cartoon. I, I love the opening sequence uh, with that takes place in an amusement park, and it's a good location for them to run around in. Also, it's an amusement park that's not particularly well kept up, so a lot of it is falling over, even as they're tormenting each other <clears throat> and uh i remember when i wrote the script originally there was another opening sequence that you know wasn't entirely doable there were some elements of the chase in there but i thought what you really did uh, when you took that and made it your own and worked out all the gags and everything it was really really wonderful with the chase around the park and the way you incorporated all the and i actually down. i was actually able to animate that whole sequence myself holy christmas really so yes yeah, so i you know I, that was one of the last sequences to go in in the show, but mm-hmm. wow. um, so after everybody else was finished working on it, I yeah. actually had time to to go in and do that. So. It's really it beautiful. Really is, is wow. terrific. Beautiful and work. There's such personality in those characters. It's you know that that's the thing that I I noticed in the opening sequences when they're running around. Their poses and attitudes that harken back to the original series and. Tom has a very distinctive run sometimes where his arms will be down at his sides and his hind legs will be spinning and his head kind of, you know, he like antics and goes into a run like that. And, you know, the way you took some of that that classic Hanna-Barbera posing and made it your own and did your own riff on it. It really looks tremendous. Well, do you want to tell, let's like, let's start talking about it really officially. You want to tell everybody at home, like what the story is and when it hits the market and all that stuff. Cause this is really exciting. I sure. mean, they, they're able to download it on Amazon right August now. 2nd or is it available now? You can, as I understand it, you can rent it on Amazon. I actually showed it to my nephew at, at our family reunion a couple of weeks ago and he loved it. And it was, and you can rent it for a day 
for about five bucks. And then when it goes on sale officially in stores, you can download it for about $10, I think. Okay. Well, tell them what it is. You guys got to play with the MGM characters. It's got beautifully animated sequences. Mm -hmm. What did you guys do? Tom and Jerry's Giant Adventure. (laughs) I remember uh, it was fall of 2011. Alan Burnett called me and said, you're interested in Tom and Jerry and working with Spike and Tony on Tom and Jerry. And I said, oh, hell yeah. What do you got? And he said, we're thinking of... uh, version of Jack and the Beanstalk and I thought that, that's, that'd be kind of cool let's come in and, and talk about it and I remember we we all met together and we talked about it a couple of times we had a few um, initial story meetings and at first we were I remember there was some discussion do we do do it like the classic English folktale do we make it a period piece set it in, in medieval times and then I remember when we were talking about fairy tales we had I had mentioned like little old you know uh, side of the road storybook towns and I remember Spike you were saying you know we've never done anything like that that's cool that's an interesting idea what if this is a contemporary story or at least it starts as a contemporary story and instead of the farm Jack is trying to save it's a little storybook town it's a little uh, amusement park that's been in his family and he's trying to keep it going yeah we've talked about you know those kind of uh, roadside kind of family amusement parks and story yeah. towns and you've i know you've had them in your childhood and, yeah and we Do you remember them going in, to them when you yeah were, sure in yeah. fact uh just uh we i'm you know from chicago and spikes from gary and both of us would go like we both have the wisconsin dells in our yes. background uh-huh. and actually i went back i was in the wisconsin dells for the probably the first time in 20 years 10 years uh just recently, yeah. my, my father wanted to go there f- for his birthday, uh-huh. so we all went as a family trip. And the Wisconsin Dells are very different than they used to be, but a lot of that stuff is still there. A lot of that stuff is still the same. Right, right. And and it's it's great. There's some charm and magic about it. And I know that you know your your Moby Dick ride is. Yes. Uh, we managed <laughs> to put that in the movie. There's it's sort of a stretch because at at one point you know there there is a Moby Dick ride in this little amusement park and when later on the characters encounter quote the real Moby Dick in a land of, of fairy tale characters and it's like wait a minute there's the old woman in the shoe and there's uh, little Miss Muffet and Moby Dick when did he make <laughs> when, since when is Herman Melville right, Melville novel that's a right exactly Cat in the Fiddle Moby Dick Moby Dick what's and, he, and he's right. actually got kind of a featured part in it. But, um, <laughs> The reason he's in there, there's two reasons. One is, uh, like like you mentioned, Tony, is my little amusement park when I was growing up was a place called Pleasure Island uh, in Wakefield, Massachusetts, which was outside of Boston. And that was a park that ran from around 1960 to 1970. And I, we lived there in the early 60s when I was a, a little kid. And the big showpiece ride was called the Moby Dick Hunt. And you got in a boat. It was very similar to, yeah, you got to be, Careful how you pronounce it. You got into a um, a boat. It was very similar to the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, except they built it on a natural pond. It wasn't a man-made lake. They might have done some alterations to it, but you're really out there for kind of a long time going around, and and it didn't have the compact feeling of the Jungle Cruise where, oh, here's a headhunter. Oh, here's some laughing hyenas. Here's some gorillas. You know, It was, well, we're cruising. Hi, I'm... Uh, I'm young. And you were captain. rowing, right? Yeah, that's right. The little kids were rowing like in Ben-Hur. The parents were able to take a break. Big drum in the back of the boat. Yeah, yeah. 
And they'd have a guy, local kid like, hi, I'm uh, yeah, Skipper Bob, and uh, we're looking for the great white whale Moby Dick. And they would go out and there were, you know, they did have some like animatronic animals off to the side because I, I the, the story of the ride was you were going through the, the oceans of the world in search of Moby Dick. And at one point you saw these bubbles coming through the water and you go, oh, here comes the great white whale. And they actually had a 75 foot long whale rear out of the water and kind of charge the boat. Actually, it just sort of slowly swam by it and then it dove down again. But I'm five years old and I'm sitting there and this thing comes out of the water. It's like, oh, Jesus, they put a real whale in this lake. I didn't know what it was, but you could see it kind of. He rose and fell a couple of times, like you could see him off in the distance kind of rising. And then when your boat came close, then he got really close. And it was really, it was kind of scary. You can actually see it online and um, just type in Moby Dick Ride, Wakefield, Massachusetts. And you can see a little, you know, eight millimeter uh, thing of it. <laughs> and, and you realize, what a stupid thing. But, you know, I was five. So that was the big attraction when you went there was to, was to do that. And then when I was, uh, um, when we moved to California... There was a park called uh, Children's Fairyland, and they also had a Moby Dick attraction there, but it was very much like what it is in the um, the cartoon, which was almost like a static figure that's at the at the side of a pool where you could go up and mm-hmm. look inside the whale's mouth, and there was a little aquarium, and you could see fish and everything. So. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we had like a Kitty Land, which which was really just kind of a, a, a stationary carnival. Yeah, and then uh, and when I was really little, a fairyland. So like all these little kind of uh-huh. lands existed for a while. Santa's Village. I know there was one here. Yeah. There was also yeah. one in, outside of Chicago. So. Right, right. Uh, years ago, I wrote a movie that um, uh, that never sold, but it was set at a little Santa's Village, and we, the director and I, actually went up here to San Bernardino. The last couple of years, it was in operation, and we took little videos of stuff that we wanted to capture and and uh, man uh, a lot of photos of the place and there is an intrinsic charm to places like that of the really bad stucco um yeah it's like pixies and the everything cabazon dinosaurs and yeah uh, I, I wonder like uh you know for the listeners or younger listeners now who are like what are they going to now you know spencer what are what are what is there now that like when you start making your own shows what are you you know what are you going to reach back reach back to the way we did with this, you know, kids amusement parks and, and, and find ways to incorporate those in the laser tag. I was thinking laser tag, <laughs> yeah, which laser actually tag. wouldn't be a bad setting now for them, <laughs> like them playing laser tag. Well, you know, we're here in California and the first thing that pops in your head is Disneyland, which also, I mean that you're, you know, Disneyland is <laughs> a big uh, thing and you're <laughs> in this production too, a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Disneyland is uh, it, it, it. It's become even bigger than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, that was sort of the. You had your Pleasure Islands, which were great. You know, when your grandparents could take you there. When I was back in Boston, Children's Fairyland was for birthday parties, and there was a time I was in grade school. I had every birth, every Saturday was like grown to Children's Fairyland for some kid's birthday. You know, and they they had the little dragon coaster and the um, some of the other things that. Uh, that I worked into the you know, the script, and then there was Disneyland, which was like the big show. That was like the the big park of parks. Was how the, old were you the first time you went to Disneyland? First time I went to Disneyland, I was seven, seven or eight, and Walt Disney was still alive, and he was there that day. Wow! And wow. they were letting kids go up to meet him, 
And I got to go up and I said, thank you for letting me in. Because I thought he lived there at that point. <laughs> you have a no, wonderful wait, 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 home. I actually talked to Walt Disney. I actually talked to Walt Disney. And wow, I asked that's... him for a picture of Donald Whoa, Duck. Oh, that is cool. And, wow. I, and I thought he could draw a picture of Donald Duck. And he said, you know what? Uh, right to the, 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 the studio and somebody will send that's you a That's why I love you, Donald Paul. Duck. Right when I think I've heard all your stories, I learn you met Walt Disney. When I was, well, Stan Berkowitz <laughs> has me beat <laughs> 10 ways from Sunday because he's got a picture on opening day, Walt with his arm around him and his sister. Because somehow Stan got opening tickets to Disneyland wow. and he actually had it sitting on his desk. And I'm going, that's, that's Walt Disney and you as a kid. And he goes, yep. So it's like I was like in a crush of kids, you know, asking for an autograph or a picture. And he's just like, yeah, okay. And it's like, thanks for letting us in. You know, because I thought, you know, I, I'd seen the show. I thought he lived I thought he lived in the castle. I didn't know any better as a dumb kid. But he was nice about it. And I did write to the studio and someone sent me a picture of Donald Duck. It was a publicity photo of him like yelling at himself on TV. But somebody sent me something. He didn't sign it. But, you know, I did get something oh, out of it. That's a great story. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So that was... I guess that was, I want to say 64, 65. I mean, you know, he died in 66, so I was around eight or nine when he died. And I thought they were going to close Disneyland because, you know, after all, he lived there. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know any better. I thought, oh, is the TV show going to be on this week? And the TV like, show was on that week, and he was on hosting it. And so it's like <laughs> somehow he had come back to, to host the show that week. They didn't cut all his appearances off the show. They just... Spike, you went to Disney World before you went to Disneyland. Yeah, I went to Disney World as a kid. That was a that was our big. It was a big trip when I was about uh, twelve years old. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of it was a it was a big drive down there. Uh -huh. uh, we had five kids in our family, so it was a it was it was a huge expense, <laughs> and so we went and camped along the way. Oh, so wow. it was like setting up a tent at night, getting you know. A big, you know, seven-man tent, and, <laughs> and and closing up shop every day, and, and to get down there to, to Disney World. So, uh, we stayed there at Camp Wilderness, of course. Wow! And, uh, <laughs> and you camped at, at Disney World, right? At, at Camp, yeah, at awesome. Camp Wilderness, and took the uh, took the ferry or whatever over to uh, Disney World. So, yeah, that was a very memorable uh, trip. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Man, that was that was great. So had the park been? It was still pretty new at that time. It was yeah, like, it was still yeah. It, like it was it was a couple of years old. Yeah. yeah. I remember was Epcot the, there then, or was it no, just no? Magic this is it, it was just yeah. It was it was still I'm I, it was probably only maybe two three years old, but you know yeah. when when we got there. To me, like Disney World was the untouchable dream. Like it was so far away, and it was so expensive. Like I never thought that. In my wildest dreams, I get to go to Disney World because we lived in California and it was over in Florida, it just like, just out of our, out of our range forever. And I didn't go until, I think I went the month after they took the Mickey Mouse review out, and that was the one thing I wanted to see most. Is, it was terrific, Paul. Was it great? Oh, I knew it was great. Oh, oh. I had all the pictures. I had the Viewmaster set. I had the record album. And then by the time I got there, oh, they moved it to Japan. And, and, <laughs> oh, how am I going to get to Japan? I could barely afford to go to Florida. And they're probably singing in Japanese. They also had the uh, they also had the the Hall of Presidents there, so it was oh. it was all of the presidents. Yeah. And then I remember when you know because they, they went through they a couple so? of them, a couple of them. No, actually, Jimmy Carter, the was robots real. in real life too. <laughs> they're the real Jimmy Carter. All the rest of them. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> 
And he says, it's a living. <laughs> but I remember that, you know, they introduce all of the presidents. Yeah. A couple of them actually, you know, rise or do something. Yeah. I think George Washington. But then, it, then uh, when they got to Richard Nixon, he got he was booed by the. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if you go. Uh, they they must still have that. It was a it was a huge deal. But. Uh, yeah, they. I, I, I wonder they what do. the response is now. Is it is it softened over the years? We went. There's so much. There's so many more presidents to boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went to uh, we went to Disney World in in January. I I dragged Misty there. I said, "You want to go to." Paris. So you want to go to Disney World? I want to go to Disney World. <laughs> so we went to Disney World. And Did you go to Paris? Have you ever been to Paris Disney World? No, I've never been there. I just want. We, we just have to go. To I've, Paris. Been, I've never been. I say that as if I just hang out in Paris. <laughs> I've been to Paris once. Oh. Um, we went to, and I did not go to Disneyland. <laughs> we went to Disney World, and Misty said, "I'm going to have a good attitude about this. We're staying at the Animal Kingdom. I'm fine looking at giraffes." And the first time we went in Animal Kingdom, we stopped and looked at. Some Indonesian forest hog and a lizard fell in her hair. Just wow. dropped right out of the tree and landed. She goes, there's something moving in my hair. And I said, it's a twig. And she goes, no, no, it's not. And uh, and it was a lizard. It was like a, you know, gecko or, a, you know, some sort of little tropical lizard. And it fell out of her hair and scurried off. And and that was kind of <laughs> the end of the trip. So. That was the end of Florida. Yeah. I'm looking over and the Indonesian forest hog. is kind of going like... <laughs> Trick never gets old. <laughs> I have a bunch of them stashed up there. <laughs> but it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, um, Tony, what was your first Disneyland experience? I was a little old. I was 19. So I was a little bit older. But uh, Was it Disneyland or Disneyland, Disney? actually. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I, I had wanted to go. and oh. I'm sorry, I'm getting a text message. Oh, okay. But uh, the I wanted to go, in it, but I didn't get there until I was 19 years old. Mm. But that was it. Was still it was great. I've been there many, many, many times since. Yeah, one of the things I kind of uh, that, that I don't like as much is that when I was a kid, there 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 were always toy shops and gift shops, and they were kind of like a big deal because there was like one in Fantasyland, there was one by the entrance, and but now that's like you you there was a more of a diversity in the shops. Now that's like the same t-shirts and the same toys. You can get them just about anywhere. So yeah, it, you think that Paul, except for that one cool sweatshirt that you saw in that one place. Yeah. That you said, I'm going to be able to get <laughs> yeah, that on my right. way down main street on the way yeah. out of here. Yeah. And it's, the, it's not available. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's only in the it, medium. Buy. Yeah. You can't. You yeah, that's it. right. But um, you have a favorite. Did you know, ride? did you, uh, did you guys know that the sour cherry balls, they, they, I don't think they've got, or they may have gotten rid of them. Where at Disneyland? At Disneyland, that that was always one of the, the staples of. Uh, Why? Do you like? I don't that? know. I think they just don't like them anymore. I guess people weren't eating enough of them. So wow. I think the only place you could get them is in the main candy store on Main Street. You could get them in the bins. Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know, you could fill a bag with them. But there used to be in the you know bagged candy in every shop. Yeah, yeah. And that that was always one of my like, you know staples of disneyland but uh, now uh you have to hunt them down to find them my my sister and i always loved the donald duck fudge it was like it came in a in a, yeah. in a tin like this and there was a picture of donald duck looking kind of pissed off on the front and um and they made it there and you could see them you know making the candy in the candy uh 
store window and they would actually make you know toffee and fudge and things and they put it in and they'd, they'd sell it right there and the last time i went there you know i said well i gotta buy some fudge on the way out and it was it wasn't good it was like they had taken bosco syrup and kind of solidified it uh. a little bit and they don't make candy there anymore at all they they get it made from a plant and then they dress up in little gay 90s outfits and they pretend like they make it there but they really don't. I think it's all shipped in because they, yes. I guess they thought, why are we hiring people to make this stuff when we can just ship it in, you know? And it really tasted kind of kind of awful. Whereas before, it had that nice thick kind of grainy quality, like when you make fudge at home. And that was That's that was the, the treat that I look forward to every time. And now it's just like, where's where's your favorite meal? Where's your favorite place to get dinner or have a meal at Disneyland? Uh, Blue Bayou. Yeah, that's nice. Blue Bay was really good. I've never been to Club Thirty Three. Have you been upstairs at the? Uh... I've, I've been there once, and uh, when Allison made Frank and Weenie, we we uh, oh we nice went there for a, oh who a did dinner. you have dinner with that night? With Martin Landau. Wow, <laughs> nice. and it was great because that guy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Had some great stories. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was awesome. It was I was very excited. So, uh, favorite rides there, or favorite amusement park ride anywhere, Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm or, or, or any any park that you remember? Me? Me yeah. first? Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. It's always my favorite. It's still my favorite. Spence? Um, I don't know. I think Pirates is, is a good one. I like Pirates. Uh-huh. Haunted Mansion's a close second to me, and I like both of them. I like the... I like the I like the normal one, and then I like the the nightmare one that they oh, yeah. at Christmas time. I could, I That's wonder, really I, you could probably, I could probably guess what you're gonna say, pops. What what's your favorite? Uh, I mean, I I think the, I mean, probably Pirates of the Caribbean. I thought you were going to say teacups. I know you love the teacups. <laughs> sure, I, I like. I, that's the beauty. I mean, I think it's like. What's a I, bad ride at Disneyland? I don't know, you know? but I mean, I and also like, I mean, I, I I love going on the ones that that, you know, they've got a little bit of a story mm-hmm. uh, where the like even the, the even the queue yeah. is is yeah. is entertaining. Like yeah. The, oh, yeah, like the uh, I love the Indiana Jones ride. Yeah, Star uh-huh. Wars. Uh-huh. I forgot about yeah, that Star one. Wars. Star yeah. Wars. The new great. Star Wars, great. I like Splash Mountain because I love Song of the South, and that's the only place you can see those characters. Yeah. I miss the Country Bear Jamboree. So oh, much. me too. Oh, yeah. it's one of my oh favorite god, things. it's still in Florida though. We, we saw it. I miss the uh, Mission of Mars one. That uh-huh. was always fun. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Journey to Inner Space. Yeah. The yeah. They shrink you down. They show you what you look like shrunk down. You're like, oh, there you And still I shrink further. <laughs> Dare I go further? Dare I? Um, yeah, I like all the great. kid rides, like all the rides yeah. that I should... That I'm way too old to be on without uh-huh. a child. So yeah. it's like some kind of strangler. You know? <laughs> now, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Why is ride? that man on the Snow White ride by himself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I like, uh, you know, the Peter Pan ride, I think. is. Oh, yeah. Uh, London is great. Oh, it's, that's a magical yeah. thing. And it's so dumb. I've been it's on like, that forever because the line is always ginormous for that man. Yeah. 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 We uh, stand uh, there and hear, and away we go, away we go, forty-two thousand times. I, I have a, I had a very good friend, and I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say which ride, either one here in Florida or anyplace else. But his partner passed away, and that was their favorite ride. So the last time he went on the ride, because it was going to be the last time he ever went on the ride, he took a bit of his partner's ashes and scattered them through the fairy oh, dust over London. Oh, nice. And I think people have done that. <laughs> 
before. Well, I, I threw my popcorn at the crocodile when I was a kid, I swear, because he came out of nowhere. And just threw, gross. Threw gross. Popcorn at <laughs> um, but uh, I like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride because it deviates so yeah. far from the movie because you're going along and it's like, well, there's Ratty and Mole and there's the horse and... and Wait a minute! Suddenly, I'm in hell. What happened? <laughs> What's the devil doing here? Jeez! Yeah. What? What is this? Even even the plywood version of hell is pretty scary. Yeah, and it gets hotter in there too. <laughs> yeah. they, they pump up the heat, yeah. and, and I'm going like, um, I missed this in the cartoon. You know, in the cartoon, even in the book, The Wind in the Willows, they never specify what happens to him on the ride. They just he just goes to the car and he's off. And you know, in the book, he's just sitting in the car. He kind of takes off it, and then the next thing you know. It, it's like in, in the movie, he's he's up in front of the magistrate, and they just read a, a list of atrocities of things he's committed. So I guess the idea of the ride is you're actually in the car, and you get to go yeah. bashing around London, and apparently you die, <laughs> and you go to hell because that's the fate that awaits <laughs> bad drivers. But all that the devil stuff at the end, I'm kind of wondering what the thought process was in 1953 that you know that, that said you know. Hey Walt, you know at the end of the toad ride, how about he dies and goes to hell? And Walt probably said, "Oh, hey, great, you know, I had trouble driving in yeah. from Beverly Hills." And the, you know, okay, fine, we'll put it. How in. do we turn this up a notch? Yeah, yeah. And well, it's uh, either that or you park in front of a magistrate and just listen to your sentence. <laughs> yeah, but I, I always thought, I always thought that would say, "Hey, that's that's kind of cool that they deviated from the ride like that." You know, it's like uh, from from the from the movie like that, and they just threw in this weird. Very arbitrary ending. So yeah. well, let me ask you something. This is we're getting farther and farther. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Jerry's giant adventure, but yeah. but um, what do you, what do you think about the um, the saving Mr. Banks? Have you seen the Have you seen the trailer? For yeah, that? I think it's a good idea. I, I, I mean, I I loved it. I love yeah. the trailer, and I and I hope it's going to be a great a great movie. It, I I like it too. However, it is to me. It is the very, very tip. It's a snowflake at the tip of the iceberg of a movie that should be made about Walt Disney. Because there's been no movie made about his life like that was made about Howard Hughes or any of the great American innovators. And I, under, I, I get it. I realize because Walt's story is, you know, he's a man, you know, and he's flawed. And there were, you know, business things. And there was things that... that like the strike that, that kind of split the studio for a while and there were other issues and everything. And I, I can get why Disney wouldn't want anything less than, you know, a, a stellar portrait of their of their founder. But I really think that a, story, a biography of Walt Disney from, you know, the time he started in Kansas City to the time he died would be a fascinating movie. And this is, and so this is a great part. You know, it looks like a, a really wonderful part of that. Maybe we do get, you know, touch on some of that in, in the movie. I don't know. But seeing Tom Hanks in the role really looked great. And you know, I did know a little bit of the fight he had with P.L. Travers to get the uh, the movie made. This looks good, though. Yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks very uh, charming and, you know, like a playful, acute, acute. I know what you're saying, though, yeah. about the biography. They That, that should get out of the way sometime uh-huh. but I think that this is definitely a fun cute Disney but I, and, I, and I like the, and I do I mean I, I agree that somebody should uh-huh. do that at some point that do a, do a bigger biography yeah. mm-hmm. of them but I do kind of like the idea that this is just a story about it's just one story sure yeah. out of sure. the many many stories yeah there. yeah me too um, I, uh, did you see the movie uh, Walt and El Grupo the documentary about no, uh, 
It was really, it was really very good. It was a story about uh, put together by the families of the artists that accompanied Walt to uh, South America during in the early '40s to make the Goodwill movies, and it really is a kind of interesting portrait of or snapshot of um, the studio at that time and also the way that Disney was perceived around the world. And they do go into the strike stuff. And one of the reasons he went on the trip was to get out of the strike because it really ground him down to see. You know, his staff so divided like that, and he was undergoing some personal problems, and the movies weren't making money because the war had started in Europe, and he, he needed something else to really sort of just, I guess, start, you know, recharge his battery. And, and uh, it's worth seeing, if only just for glimpses of the South America that he went to and that he tried to capture in his movies and, and what it is now. Did, did you ever see that uh, the movie, um, I think it might even be a Cary Grant movie where where Walt Disney and now I'm using I'm, I'm using air quotes there makes an, makes an appearance in it. It's that, It's about the caterpillar? Yeah, it's about the caterpillar. Oh, and, once upon a time, yeah. And like I mean I saw that I mean maybe 15 20 years ago. Yeah. And I was utterly convinced that that was Walt Disney in uh-huh. the in the movie and then 5 6 years ago I was reading about it. Uh-huh. And found out no, it was somebody that you know was an actor that looked fairly <laughs> close to what Walt Disney looked like at that yeah. at that point. And, yeah, and uh, they so they missed an excellent opportunity to 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 make a movie with somebody that looked yeah you know a lot more like Walt. You Disney think that guy Tom went Hanks to went to Disney Disneyland looking like that? Maybe maybe he did. Just maybe shook, he got maybe he shook your hand. Maybe he was. <laughs> you know, could be. You know, it's like it could have been a Walt walk around as far as I know. You know, it's like bring the big head Walt. You know? Was his head just a little too big? <laughs> he did look an awful lot like the Mad Hatter. You know, he had like white hair and the big top. <laughs> Who are you doing? Welcome to Disneyland. Walt Disney. You know what? He's a big make, dumb dog. They should, they yeah. should do. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I loved. I, I used to love the office, the Walt Disney office, oh, yeah. right across oh, yeah. from the, the the Lincoln thing. Uh-huh. But what, wouldn't it be? What if they made an animatronic Walt Disney to, to like to sit in his office, and that maybe you could have the Sherman Brothers at the piano. Well, they had the music room in the ass. office, right? Yeah. They had the music room, yeah. and, and uh, that would kick so much ass to have audio and animatronic Walt. <laughs> Disney I mean, I, there. I that's. Sour cherry balls in Walt's office were my yeah. two favorite things at Disneyland. And, yeah, uh, and where is Walt? Did they move? They that moved up to, it, but I think uh, did they move it up to San Francisco? It might be there. Yeah. It is there. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to the uh, museum up there not too long ago. Well, you was. said that the trailer for the the movie with Emma Thompson, and Tom Hanks, like just those scenes in his office and the scenes with the Sherman Brothers in the music room. Uh-huh. You know, I. I I thought that I was hard not to get excited about that stuff. You know, yeah. Yeah. We, we actually had an idea when um, when we came back to Warner Brothers a, a few years ago. Mr. Mr. Barbera had died uh-huh. uh, in, what did he die, 2006? Six. Yeah, in December. And uh, he had a very distinctive office, which I think we talked about. Sure. But um, the, there was at one point an yeah. empty office, yeah. and we thought... Wouldn't it be terrific to recreate yet another Joe Barbera office? Because he yeah. he would re, he he had a very distinctive office in Hanna Barbera, and then 
after the merger and all that, you know, we had the the building in Sherman Oaks where yeah. we were, and he just recreated that office wherever he went, and then he did it again in Sherman Oaks. So, and then With he had panel. one of them at his house, right in his <laughs> right, garage. Yeah, he had house. another one, but but yeah. that, but but. Yeah, there, there was the Bill Hanna piano that was actually there for a while. I don't know whatever happened to that. Yeah, that yeah, was that there, was and then the, there was yeah. an office, and it was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to what you know to Walt Disney? So you're gonna try and get like a a, a, a glass know, a, door, a clear glass door, and <laughs> yeah. then put a turn one of the off extra offices. It still in his sounds office. like a fun idea. Yeah, yeah, it does. The furniture's somewhere. Yeah, I remember when Bill and Joe came over there as sort of like animator creators animation creators emeritus almost like combining it i think i'd gone up to i went up to bill's office like a couple of times and every time i went in i, I never worked with them during their heyday i got to know them a little bit afterwards because you know when i was producing the superhero shows but bill always wanted to sit down at that piano and play songs and you'd say Hey, remember this one? We got a gorilla for sale. And he just they're playing <laughs> songs all, all day, you know? And it's like, sing along. You know the words. It's like, yes, I do. Magilla, gorilla for sale. And, and that, that was kind of fun, you know? It was like weird, but it's, it, it was great. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember. We're, we're lucky. Well, he was no Walt Disney. No. no. <laughs> I remember when Funko started coming out with those bobblehead figures about 10 years ago. The, the, the first one they came out with was Huckleberry Hound, and there, there was a Tower Records, and they they were selling them there. And I uh, I remember seeing them, I guess the day they were setting them out, I go, that's really cool. And I bought two, and I bought one for Joe. And I took one up to his office, and, I, and you know, I think our relationship was sort of like Homer, Mr. Burns. It's like, <laughs> who are you again? It's like, and uh, But I, I had met him a couple of times and had lunch with him by that time, and I said, here, I got you something. And he was going like, well, look at that. Thank you. Man, they're still making these. And... <laughs> Uh, and he and he took it out and he was playing with a bobblehead and he just stuck the Huckleberry Hound one on his desk and he said, "Oh, thank you." And I said, "I have one for me. Do you mind signing it?" And he goes, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." And he just wrote Joe Barbera on Huckleberry Hound's <laughs> belly. <laughs> Still have it somewhere, but uh, it was it was fun. Here, here's it. All right, Walt Disney wouldn't give me a drawing of Donald Duck, but um, you know I'll digress for a little second. Uh, when Joe's bar- biography came out. Uh, I, Alan and I had lunch with him that day and I brought a copy and I said do you feel like I'd love it if you signed something and do you feel like drawing and he goes sure and he sat down he drew this amazing Tom and Jerry on the, the first two pages and it was like shit you really do you draw these characters when, when was that great about what 2002 2000 whenever his biography came out it was like between 2000 and 2002 I think it was uh, and he just it was like Tom like wow, with that little be... circular thing and Jerry kind of going like up at him and crap. Yeah, he... He, I think it was like muscle memory to him. That, I don't know if he could draw Yogi Bear or George Jetson, but man, he could still draw Tom and Jerry. That'd be cool to see Tom and Jerry drawn like that in 2002. Well, you said it was? Yeah. Spike, you worked with him, and you know he did he do his yeah, own storyboards? Well, well, the deal is, is that, I mean, you, we, we worked did on the that, Karate Guard, yeah. Karate Guard thing. And uh, he had done, he did the storyboard for that. Uh-huh. Um, but by the time I got involved with it, uh, um, Ewo, Ewo, had, yeah. Ewo had redrawn the storyboard, had cleaned it up. So uh-huh. I never really saw Joe's uh, original version of it. But when I, I laid that cartoon out, and uh-huh. so I would, take, I would take my drawings into him uh-huh. and have him like, 
go over, go over them and approve them. And so he would make these like, he would do his notes. He would, you know, these, these were big drawings on like 16 field paper, you know, sure. drawn way too big, but, uh -huh. um, and then he would go and he would draw these really small, small drawings of the character. Like here, you know, this is what you're doing wrong here. This is what you got to do here. You know? So, uh -huh. so, um, I did see him draw them, but they were almost always like partial drawings of, you know, the parts that the part that I had had uh, had sort of screwed up on. He was uh -huh. he would show me the the, the correct way to do it. So mm. um, it was it was fun working with him, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was it was it was fun and kind of terrifying too, yeah. because he, you know, he really he was the uh, of the people that I worked directly with i mean he was he, he was the only one that was part of that you know original generation of hollywood cartoon directors sure um but yeah he was that was that was a terrific experience and i mean as you know he had he had lots of wonderful stories to tell sure and uh and uh he, he really he was so he was a, a lovely guy mm -hmm. and, and with a with with a sense of humor and also a guy that always kind of let you know that he was still in charge so yeah <laughs> yeah still, mr barbera still the padrone <laughs> as they say in 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 italian you did he ever pull the italian stuff on you tony i, I he, like spike was saying like uh you know we've we have worked a lot with a lot of classic characters and yeah. with the looney tunes and stuff and you know we've had kind of run-ins with some of of the warner brothers guys over the years yeah. and and that's kind of what they were were more of run-ins more yeah. than than real real experiences yeah but uh you know we got really close yeah we 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 our office was next door to his office for yeah. many years so we saw him every day you know yeah when we were working on duck dodgers he was right yeah. there you yeah. know it's like i would come in and Wave to Mr. Barbera, and then we'd go uh, go into your office, and we you know work on on Duck Dodgers. Was, yeah, I mean, and those, it was a lot of fun. And it was there was one there was one time, you know, and he, he forgot his keys, right? Uh huh. And uh, and he you know he came in and he he sat down in our office for a while, and he's like, "That is the first time I have ever forgotten my keys." And he was like, you know, he's probably like ninety four years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How I old think was he? Told, he was like ninety five, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think he made it to to ninety five. Ninety, yeah, wow. ninety five. What one of my? Almost ninety six. I, I may have told this story on this podcast before, but I'm going to do it yeah. again. You could edit it out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, there was once we were working. I think it was at Karate Guard, uh -huh. and we were coming up with. I don't know why I even said this, but there was a uh, remember Jerry's making faces at Tom and taunting Tom. Yeah. And then I thought, and I, and I asked myself, maybe he could moon, moon him. And uh -huh. he got, he was like, what? It's tasteless. Uh -huh. You're tasteless. <laughs> now this is a, we don't, this is a class, we make classy cartoons. What's <laughs> wrong with you? And then I was like, well, I'm, I'm a, why did I even say that? <laughs> but then, uh, and, uh, so that was like on a Friday, and then like on a Monday, yeah. he comes in, he calls me over, he's like, I've been thinking about that. <laughs> and Jerry can moon him as long as he's wearing underwear. 
<laughs> so, right, Jerry does moon him, he does, he and it's does, like the one wearing... for some reason it's the only scene in the cartoon he's wearing underwear. <laughs> he's only wearing underwear so he can moon Tom. He never wears clothes. Well, he's wearing a karate. He's wearing a karate. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Down his pants and show the underwear, or did he pull down the underwear? No, he, no, he pulls no, down he, his pants and no, shows no, the underwear. Well, right? He's he's got a karate gi on, yeah. so he lifts yeah. the. Oh, he lifts the little skirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, that's that's perfect. He's got surprise underwear. Pull down the thick, <laughs> hairy legs and reveal he's just you know pink. But I, I thought that was one of my yeah. animation claim to fames as as I got Joe Bear to think about Jerry Mooney time <laughs> for a whole for a weekend for a weekend. We <laughs> thought about it. Well, right. I've been thinking about it. It's Maybe a new it's century okay. and uh, kids need new thrills. <laughs> and I get in my head. I'm like, really? You were thinking about that? That's great. Uh, <laughs> I never wor- I never got to work with him really although you know Alan and I would have would take him to La Pergola for lunch like maybe once every two months or something and that was nice because we got to hear all the old stories and what it was like to record Top Cat episodes and, he was always pitching you know even yeah. he'd be pitching to us yeah I mean there were times too like you know we would sit in his office on his on his couch and complain about the way the the business was going on yeah. that on that particular week. Yeah. And it's like that those were fun cuz I was sitting there going, "Wow, I'm sitting here complaining with Joe, you know, yeah. he's complaining about the same stuff we're <laughs> complaining about." Like, right. and it really felt like, great to be on that level. And he's yeah. even like he's a, he's almost he's, he's even asking us, "Now, who do I have to talk to around here to get anything done?" And yeah. it's like, yeah. "Wow, I don't know what you're asking me." It's the, I talk to you. <laughs> one of the one of the best stories I ever heard about him, the most telling story about, I guess his and Bill's work ethic was at his memorial, and Margaret Lesh told the story about how I guess there was a point in the seven late seventies. They were selling a lot of shows, and it was really important to and and the shows were of varying quality, and some of them just were no good. But you know. The, the object at that point, the name of the game was keep your studio going, you know, yeah. because for all the toys you optioned, for all the, you know, comic strips somebody else has created that you can animate, there's always a chance that you can go in and sell the next Scooby-Doo if you're, you know, you got to keep busy, you know, so. And Margaret said that they had gone into NBC and they had a couple of ideas. Like he had the rights to do Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> and then he had the rights to do... Uh, and then he then he he had come up with the idea for a space show, and then he had come up with the idea of like a girl detective show, or something like that. I mean, right, it was be, sort of like almost a yeah. Charlie's Angels type thing. Yeah, yeah. And then and then so Joe went in and pitched, and he was phenomenal in pitching. And I did see him, you know, pitch and and uh, you know, and tell stories. You know, nobody could do it like like he could. And then uh, Margaret said that a, a couple of hours they came out of the meeting and. Uh, Joe called Bill back at the studio and he said, well, I sold the show. And uh, he goes, oh, well, what one did they buy? He said, well, they bought all of them as one show. So now we're doing a show with Casper and another <laughs> ghost in space with futuristic girl detectives. <laughs> and there was kind of silence. And Bill said, well, at least we don't have to lay anybody off through Christmas. And I guess that's, you know... They they both kind of knew it was not really the show they wanted to be doing, but they were doing a show and they had sold something open and they they had sold something and they're keeping their doors open. They didn't have to lay anybody off and there you know there's something very honorable yeah, about that. Absolutely. Was that Space Ghost? 
Is Casper and the Angels, or is Casper yeah. and the Angels. Space, Space Angels? Angels. Yeah, it was all. Yeah, what's worse, <laughs> they made that show, or we remember that? Show. Yeah. I, come on, you know we were doomed. We'd watch anything, you know, when we were kids. You know, it doesn't matter. Throw throw that crap out here. We'll watch it. But you are. That's a great. Yeah. That is a great story because I I was there too. Yeah. And I remember. She was like in the elevator, and they they had just sold the show, and uh-huh. she was like. Horrified, she's like, "What? What did you do? That's shameful." That oh, that's right. Just, yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be so awful. And yeah. then, and then, Mister Barbera is like, "Okay, well, you know, we can call up and say we don't want to do it, and you know, we'll yeah. just lay out, just lay some people off or whatever." But, but in saying that, saying, "Well, uh-huh. we're going to have to lay people off if we don't have a show." Well, yeah. Hannah, I mean, Hanna Barbera was a real family studio. You yeah, know, yeah, and, absolutely. And. Uh, you do things. You do things to keep that going. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in a perfect world, they'd be doing uh, season uh, fifty six of of the Jetsons now, or you know, another season sixty of of Huckleberry Hound or something, or or somehow keeping their heritage characters going. But the times changed, and when you th- when you look back at that, you know, the Jetsons ran one season, Top Cat, one season. Granted, a season back then was like thirty episodes, but. Yogi Bear, one season. I mean, he was on yeah. Huck for two years, and then he got spun off on his own. Those characters have endured through reruns, and also the fact that I think that their pre-70s output was was really pretty good. You know, I... Uh, they... Well, I mean, even now, like, uh, you know, with with Tom and Jerry and Scooby-Doo, you yeah. know, we've done a lot of kind of Hanna-Barbera stuff, and, uh-huh. um, and uh, you know, we always remember, like, we have a personal connection... There, uh-huh. And that makes it does make a difference. Well, with Mystery Even Incorporated, I, I think you took that farther than well. I, could, and you know? there, believe me, there were times during Mystery Incorporated where I was like, "Oh, he'd kill me for this." Yeah, you know, like this would have been, you know, this is not. But I don't feel like we did any real damage. But you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. it's not like I never thought about right about any of those people. Not just, I mean, we knew a lot of those people and. And not just Mr. Barbarian in particular, but a lot of other people too. And we do yeah. we do kind of keep that in mind. And, well, you know, I, yeah, I think there's some. You know, that, that's what it comes down to is when you get a character that was originated by somebody else, and and um, and you you're entrusted with keeping that character going. You want to kind of not only honor what has gone before and, and live up to people's expectations, but also kind of take it a a few steps further and, and, and I, surprise people. I kind of feel like you know with this time and Jerry stuff sure. that. You know, we did kind of get handed this from, you know, the guy that really helped make that whole thing possible. I mean, you yeah. know, we worked with Joe Barbera on his last two Tom and Jerry projects, basically. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like we're, you know, we're trying to do a good job of, you know, honoring that and, uh-huh. and continuing you know, with some of the, you know, some of the knowledge that, that he was able to, you know, mm-hmm. impart to us. So. Well, let's talk Tom and Jerry now. What, what Favorite Tom and Jerry. Let's go around Robin. Who, who uh, Spence, what's your favorite one? Oh, that's, that's really tough off the top of my head. I pass. Good. <laughs> Spike? Uh, you know what I mean? I, you know, I've said this before about the Tom and Jerry's, that they are just really consistently good you know yeah. like it's hard for me to go i really don't like that one you know what there... you know what i'm and because you're saying that what made me st- the ones that really jump out at me are the ones that had 
it's always the guest character. Yeah. Because otherwise they're all like this kind of ocean of of consistency so that's yeah. like oh yeah the one but what was this it wasn't uncle tex it was the uncle the, pecos uncle pecos the, pecos pest that was a great one crambone yeah and uh <laughs> like i love that cartoon and Here, then the one kitty the, kitty kitty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah broke another guitar yeah. screen and uh the jerry's cousin yeah and uh the one where they go to naples and that little oh the italian, italian mouse, mouse. Yeah. yeah 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 i love all those I mean, I love all the cartoons, but then I go, oh, those are the ones that jump out. And I think they're only jumping out because... Yeah, they, they, they do test the formula yeah. a bit. Ezra, do you have a favorite one? Uh, as always, it's a Gene Deitch uh, cartoon <laughs> kit. Gene Deitch, get out! <laughs> Sorry. No, but it's that is a good it's one. Even yeah. if you're going to go that there, is. you're not going to go to Dickie Moe? No, well, I mean, that's great. Yeah. You guys yeah. missed an opportunity by naming your Moe Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, we should have called it Dickie Moe out of tribute to Oh, we should have. It would have made some horrible uh, synthetic uh, sound effect. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. awesome. There are inside jokes aplenty in, in, in Giant Adventure. Uh, the, the name of the... the Bradley's, you know, the the father yeah. is like Scott Bradley. Joe Bradley is a tribute to Joe Barbera and Scott Bradley. You know, it's so. funny how like a cartoon like Dickie Moe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just it's name. just there. I mean, yeah. there's no way around. Like it's uh, it it's in everyone's. It's yeah. like uh, you know, every one of uh, us cartoon nerds' consciousness is. Yeah. I rem- yeah, I remember Dickie when Moe. when uh, when we made Space Jam, the that Bruce Smith was a big. He yeah. hated that cartoon, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he would always remember. Like we did that for like two years. We would just be walking down the hall going, "Dickie <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just gravitate towards something. I remember when when Tom Minton was doing uh, Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, he put Cool Cat into every yeah. cartoon. Yeah. Every Robert McKimson's last <laughs> Looney Tune character, this weird Snagglepuss like. It's Snagglepuss with stripes, basically, or the Pink Panther with stripes. You know, it's just he just had to put Cool Cat in every cartoon. Um, what I, I, I my my favorite Tom and Jerry has got to be the Truce Hurts, the the, oh, the oh, yeah. with, and Spike is basically yeah. or Butch is the, the the bulldog is the is the guest in that one because he's the one who talks and kind of sets up the. It's interesting to watch the way the characters talk in Tom and Jerry cartoons. They, even though the characters who do talk, like Spike and some of the others, they only talk as much as they need to set up the plot, and then the rest of it is sort of acted out in pantomime. Like, he gets to a point, once he sets up, like, why are we fighting? Let's have a truce. We all shake yeah. on it. Other than, like, like at one point he goes, speak to me, Tom. You know, like, he doesn't really talk throughout the rest of the cartoon because they let the pantomime take over, and that's... What's that's the one where of... Tom dies and then St. Peter sends him back and then Heaven he dies again close. and goes to hell? Oh, that's, that's got that whole great thing where he's oh. begging Jerry oh, just please sign. And Jerry's got the pen. <laughs> and he's kind of leaning against the pens. He's leaning so hard that it won't, it splits and it won't write. And Tom's making like, I want to fly like an angel, please. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. And there's one where a Saturday evening puss where the maid go, or Mammy uh, Two Shoes goes out of the house and she's going to, you know, bridge night or something. And she's strutting out of the house, and Tom just kind of like points, goes, get her, and kind of imitates her strutting out of the house. Tom's such an asshole. He's so great. He's like, everything he does in pantomime is, he's really a wonderful character because he's... Well, I mean, just to go one more little Joe Barbera story, and I believe I've also told this story before on this podcast, but, um, you know, like when we were working on on, uh, 
karate guard. Yeah. And, and he would go over, you know, Spike would do the layouts mm-hmm. and then he would go over and he would talk about their attitudes. Like one of the first experience, you know, things, one of the first things that I saw with him when he was doing that was I would, I always figured he was either Tom or Jerry, uh-huh. you know, like, because that's just what I figured, you know, like, cause a like lot of times was at, Jerry and right, he was or, or, and because most of us, you know, yeah. We're, we lean more towards one character than another and all that. Yeah. But then I was like, no, that guy was split right down the middle. Really? Like, he's Tom and Jerry. He's as, wow. he, he's as, you know, as, as uh, nasty or not nasty, but as like mysterious and, and sassy as yeah. Tom. Yeah. And then as cute as Jerry. Yeah. So I was like, how does this man, both of those guys? I mean, that was one of those things where he, he really would go and he would act this stuff out. Too. Yeah. And, you know, we always, like, after the fact, you know, years later, kind of lamented that, well, we could have taken a video Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, like... And, like, like just recorded him doing that. Because when we said when he acted them out, like, we yeah. all act them out. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, but there's a difference between acting them out and being those guys. Yeah. And the first time I ever saw him do that kind of stuff, it, it was actually freaky. Really? But in a great way, you know, yeah. where I was like, wow, I'm, you have to listen this is the, he is these guys. You do you know? act them out when you're when you're laying them out when you're drawing? I think we do. I I did. I think we. Yeah. I mean, all this, especially with Tom and Jerry, because they're so pantomime driven. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, Spike really, I think they're the hardest characters to animate. Uh-huh. I think they're the, they're they're so demanding because everything is about the animation with those characters. Yeah. And, there yeah. is no dialogue to depend on. There's uh-huh. no, you know, everything is animation and timing. It's it's excruciating to animate those characters. Yeah. So you do have to kind of act them out and really get into it and really behave like them. And you really or you, you can't do it right. You well, know, and you Spike know, can do it. Spike Spike is now the guy who's both Tom and Jerry. I mean, you yeah. really pulled it off well in in Giant Adventure because it's uh, there are some scenes in there. You know, it's like. Hey, easy for me to write, you know, what's going on in their heads. But, you know, it's like you guys have to draw it and you have to figure out does, you know, does what, a, does a, a block of text translate into acting? And there are some moments in there that I just really love. Like there's that scene where they have to sell the diving cow to the circus and, and Jack singing a little song. And Tom is just, you know, he's, he's putting himself up for adoption. He's, you know, he's, he's convinced they're going to lose their house and everything. And he's riding the, on top of the cow like this. And Jerry has to cheer him up. And the song he's singing is about belief. And Jerry, he's kind of like on Tom's shoulder and kind of like Tom doesn't want to listen. And Jerry's kind of looking at him like, come on, you know, for, for our pal. And Tom's sort of like, all right. Because the, the thing I always wanted to keep in my head writing the thing is like, even though Tom and Jerry are paired up a lot, throughout the picture and there are a lot of scenes where Tom is holding Jerry in his paw where they're all all um, teamed up together the thing I always wanted to keep in my head was Tom likes Jack and Jerry likes Jack and they don't like each other yeah. but for the sake of the boy uh, what's the word they make an effort you know yeah. they, and, and, and yet there are moments where they do have to help each other out and they have to come through for each other but as soon as the camera is on somebody else and they're just sort of with each other, it's almost like they don't know what to do, and it's sort of like. Well, and that, and I, and I like, mean, I enjoy doing all this stuff, and I, and I try and do like as as much of this stuff as I possibly can when it comes to animation, yeah, character layout stuff. 
We also had a lot of really terrific people, uh, you know, working on this in, in, in the same capacity. Oh, I noticed the um, names of some of the animators. There was like Disney and Bluth and really just amazing, and, and, amazing uh, folks. You know, I, I, you know, some of the people out there may recognize some of these names, but, uh, you know, we've had the, you know, great good fortune to uh, work with uh, Dan Haskett on yeah. a lot of these Tom and Jerry projects. Yeah, and uh, he's done, you know, uh, most of the most of the character design uh -huh. on these things. And, and most then, of the videos, right? Yeah, and, and yeah, since, uh, yeah, and then the, on the Scooby the DVDs from yeah, yeah. And on the our the Scooby DVDs that we did, he also mm -hmm. is the. He's um, and so he's, I mean, he's a supremely you know, talented uh, designer as well as an animator. So he also did, um, he also did some of the some of the red stuff, and it's it's really fantastic looking. Um, so, and, as well as a, a lot, as a lot of the the giant stuff in this. So oh. I mean, wh when you watch this, I mean, it's a, it's a direct to video. Yeah. Um, so it's inherently a, you know a television style project. But, you know, of, of probably all the stuff that we work on, it's really the closest to some kind of feature animation. Yeah. There, well, there I mean, are we have so many scenes. people who are f worked in, you know, are feature animators. Duncan here. Marjorie Banks, I saw. Right. Yeah. And, worked on um, there. And, uh, you know. Amazing animator. Um, Linda like, Miller. Linda Miller. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got a list of people here. I mean... And then you know some of some of our our pals like you know John McClanahan who was our boss yeah back in in Chicago uh -huh. uh, did a lot of stuff uh, Jeff, Jeff Sergey yeah uh, and Jeff Jeff actually did a lot of the um, of the screwy squirrel oh that's animation. that's great Tex Avery esque yeah. kind yeah. of stuff yeah. yeah Jeff Jeff of all the living animators has the really the best sense of of Avery that out of anyone around today and yeah. and uh and then vo you know as voice actors yeah we, we have a very wonderful cast in this sure and Paul Rubens we came in to play Screwy Squirrel and uh that whole little scene with Screwy and Meathead as simple yeah. Simon and the Pieman it's just great you know it's like it's wonderful watching those characters live again and do what they they used to do pull gags on each other and right. screw he's kind of a jerk and, and that uh, was all that was largely yeah. jeff's yeah yeah i think jeff yeah. animated most when was the last time screwy was in a cartoon i don't i mean i don't know whether he's ever been used in uh he was briefly revived in the 90s when they did tom and jerry kids because they kind oh, of had in that they had a droopy and dribbles cartoon and they did like a couple of screwy squirrel cartoons oh, okay. in isn't the, there a screwy in the what a cartoon didn't someone do a screwy squirrel cartoon they or? might have i, I know they did george and jr but did they do screwy too that might he might have shown up in some interstitials or some things here and there yeah. but well i would hazard to say that this is this this is you know, the best stuff done since, you know, Tex Avery did it. Yeah. Know. It was unfortunate that Screwy, you know, around 1945 came down with that Brazil nut um, addiction. <laughs> and he'd been in Promises for the last rehab for the last 60 years. But he, he came out and he was a trooper. And if he hadn't set fire to the studio, I... <laughs> Hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll use them again in another one. But I, I mean, again, it was fun. It was fun just, you know, kind of uh, 
when I said, can I use Screwy Squirrel? I said, sure, why not? You know, Barney Bear. I know, that's why every now and then you'll read something online or someone thinks that there's some corporate mandate to use the characters that we use sometimes. It's like, I don't even think anyone knows who these characters are. How could there be, you know, like... There the was Barney... never any instruction to put Screwy Squirrel in. No. in you know, it's always I like... I just wanted to see it is kind of, Right. It's always kind of, what do we want to do and who do we like? And, and, and actually, he's been... He was written into into some of the other ones. But, you know, because these things are, uh, you know, sort of shorter than maybe they could yeah. be. You know, there's... A lot of stuff needs to get get trimmed out of the out of the script well i remember you say when i handed in the first draft you said well you know, screw he's kind of running away with things can you cut him back a little bit so he does tend to to, to you know get but, you can get carried away with them but barney bear i mean i i remember uh right around the time i was uh i was working on the script i've gotten that the the reprint of the carl barks barney bear stories that are uh that were uh put out by i think idw or somebody and I was reading all the Benny Burrow and Barney Bear um, strips, and and I'd known, uh, uh, and you had used him in some of the other ones in kind of small supporting roles. And I thought maybe there's a chance to kind of pump him up a little yeah, bit. In this yeah, yeah, he has a much bigger part. Yeah, and Benny's in this one too because I just needed, you know, he had to. I thought, well, let's put in Benny Burrow and have him just make a little cameo here too. And Droopy has a nice role. Yeah, yeah, it was fun coming at Spike and Tyke. It was fun yeah. coming up with with things for all of them and. And Red is really kind of like the heroine of the picture. Spike, do you want to mention anyone, uh, any of the actors who, other actors? Who well, I've got a list of them right here. Sure. Um, <laughs> Tom Wilson, he uh, he played the giant in this. Yeah. And, yeah. I guess uh, best remembered as Biff in the yeah. uh, Back to the Future. Uh huh. And uh, he uh, he also you know sings one of the one of the big musical numbers in it and, and did, did, did a did great a job. very well job. very well yeah he's a great singer yeah he's great he gave it that really bellowing bullying tone and he's got a, a fun introduction yeah and, uh, there's that song there's a youtube video where he sings a song about uh <laughs> Um, what it, what's it like to know Michael J. Fox? And, uh, <laughs> I, I think everyone should run to YouTube and make sure they watch that video because it is, it is hilarious. That's great. Uh, we also had, um, you know, Gray, did, Gray Delisle did the uh, the voice of the of the Red Fairy. And uh-huh. She and sang the, sang her Jack's song. Jack's mother too. Right, yeah. right. And Gray, we, someone asked us the other day, like. Well, do you always work with the same people or do you like to work with the same actors? And we do work with the same actors over and over again. Uh-huh. And then it, so that we were thinking, well, who shows up more than anyone? Uh-huh. And Gray is kind of on the top of that list because I think in every cartoon we make, huh. she's somewhere. Uh-huh. I, I can't even, you know, the Looney Tunes show, the Mystery Incorporated, Duck Dodgers. Uh, she did some stuff on Duck Dodgers. And like everything we do at some point, Gray's involved with. Oh, uh-huh. And she's doing very great. versatile. Yeah, yeah. And um, we we also had uh, Garrison Keeler. Yep. And um, as the narrator. he did a he did a terrific job. Yeah. And I think actually even one of my one of my favorite parts in this thing is uh, um, there's like a the the opening bit which is kind of a a story storybook yeah opening has. Um, beautiful illustrations, but no real animation. Uh-huh. And uh, Garrison Keillor's voice as he's sort of telling the backstory to this, and it is 
Yeah. It's really, I think, one of the most effective things I've seen in, in, in yeah, one of these. it's very touching and, I, and I, wonderful I kinda, voice. I, I kind of got to take a bow for that because I really was an advocate of saying, like, let's can we get Garrison Keillor for that? You yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I really that wanted him to. And that was a... A great suggestion. I remember there was like it was uh there was there was a note in there like uh yeah, somebody like Tom Bodette. Tom or, Bodette uh, or Garrison, Garrison Keeler yeah. or and I and I and I because you well, know, I mean Garrison Keeler, yeah we hold on a we put him on a as Midwesterners, I you know, he got, he is high on a pedestal, so sometimes we say things like a Garrison Keeler type, but yeah. we're almost a little too intimidated to actually ask a Garrison Keeler. And it usually works out that they'll do stuff like that. I remember on yeah. Duck Dodgers and yeah. uh, Colette Sunderman, who's our yeah. was our voice director, and she still is on many things. Uh-huh. She like used to tease me because for a while we were like, I, I when we were asking talking about casting that show, I yeah. used to say, "Well, I want a Michael Dorn kind of guy as the robot." Yeah, and she would like go. Well, let's just ask Michael Dorn, and yeah. I think my response was, "Could we? Is that is that okay if we ask him?" And she uh-huh. used to tease me. And Michael Dorn teased me about that too, but you forget sometimes. Like, there, don't be afraid to ask them. The worst they could say is, "I don't want to do it." Yeah, and actors enjoy working. You know, and uh, the nature of an actor's career is they go from job to job, and sometimes they're. And that's, well I mean, look something. at the people we've you know worked with on these cartoons over the years, and most of it is just we ask. Brian Wilson, Brian Wilson, and Quentin Tarantino, yep. and all kinds of people that no one thought would ever come work with us. Yeah, came and worked with us. So. Yeah, I'll do Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Well, that's because he's your buddy. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Kevin Smith is Hal Jordan. As Hal Jordan, that was pretty cool. Um, but there's also, uh, you know, when I when we when we when we kind of got the idea of doing the you know the 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 uh, doing the small amusement park that really kind of set in my mind. Old, you know, like like Midwestern Americana, kind of mid-century kind of small town pleasures and, and fun things like county fairs. And I thought, well, who better than Tom yeah. Bodette or Garrison Keillor, somebody yeah. who really kind of speaks for the heartland. And then I remember reading, I read a New Yorker piece, I think it was, about uh, Garrison Keillor going to a county fair with his daughter. And it was just a really lovely piece of writing. And that was right around the time you know, I was yeah. doing the script. And I said, what if we go for him? I mean, he's got... You know, and he sounds like a narrator too. How's, sounds like a how's he not? Guy. How's Pixar not put him in a movie yet? I don't know. It's like he's so perfect for that. I don't know. They go Larry the Cable Guy. They go a bit more wacky, I guess. No, but I mean, he really. I think he has such a warmth, yeah, of character, and and I think he's such a good Pixar fit. Like I, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I've always been shocked that we got to him before they did. That's great. Hang on, <laughs> find more stuff from him. Yeah, high fives. I mean, there was a. <laughs> A lot of the actors do double duty in this, sort of like you know, Gray plays the the mother and the um, and the and the fairy, and and Garrison is the narrator and, and the farmer. But I think with with Tom Wilson, I think where we're going with more was the idea of like kind of like when they did Peter Pan on stage, you know, like the father was always Captain Hook. So with Mister Bigley, who's the villain in Tom in in Jack's everyday life, without spoiling things too much. He's also ginormous, the giant, and there is a physical resemblance to him, a little bit of a, a physical yeah. resemblance to him, and a bit of the same attitude. But I, I like that because there is a strong parallel between the menace and Jack's 
real home life and when he and Tom and Jerry go to fairy tale. I, I agree with you on that. And I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but I love the role of Jack's mother and the fairy. Red. Yes. I love that. And I was like, I don't know. Right. There, yeah, there, yeah, there's several parallels in this. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, and it's also a money saving thing. Those guys can do two voices mm-hmm. for the price of one. <laughs> who, who else do we got, Spectre? Uh, you know, Joe Lasky. Uh, oh, of course. He, he, did, uh, he did Droopy. Dro- uh, Phil Lamar. And Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar, Spike. Spike. And uh, Richard. Richard for, McGonagall. And right. Barney Bear. Another. Barney Bear, John, John DiMaggio did yeah. uh, did Meathead, Meathead yeah. for us. Yeah, damn good job too. I know what a cast, um, yeah, great cast. Yeah, and then uh, you know Spike. No one knows, you know. Uh, Spike is always uncredited screens. as yeah. Tom, but yeah, like uh, in the classic cartoons, Bill Hanna was the voice of Tom. Was and, he? Was was yeah, that Bill? Yeah. Or okay, and we actually we actually saw him do that one time. Really. You were you were there, right? We went we went out to a gallery in suburban yeah. Chicago. Is that what he's saying with the bar? With, yeah, with the, the barbershop. barbershop quartet. <laughs> and and they and we knew you know John McClenahan, who we've mentioned earlier. We sure. we worked yeah. for him. Uh, he he knew um, Hannah quite well because of his affiliation with him at the uh, Australian studio. Yeah. And so. Uh, when he came to the Chicago area, you know, John talked to him and he had hoped that he would, he would be able to come by the studio, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was, Bill Hanna was on the dime of the, of the, of the gallery that sure. was, mm-hmm. that was, you know, that had the promotion. So we actually went out there to, we went out there to see him. Was this when you were doing Animaniacs? We were, yeah, yeah, we were working, you know, we're probably working on either Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. Uh-huh. And uh, so you know, well, it was Bill Hanna. So we so we went out to see it, him, and uh, they had a the the barbershop quartet. And then I hadn't I hadn't heard this until that time that um, you know Bill Hanna had done all of the Tom yells. And so they asked him, uh, would would you would you do one for us? And he was. He was in his 80s, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and so he proceeded to let out with a with a Tom scream right there for the to everyone's delight because everybody everybody likes to see somebody scream. And then yeah. uh, and then the secret. What's the secret? The secret to the scream. Is oh, that- the secret to the scream is the uh, is the bucket. <laughs> what? So it's the scream is done into a bucket usually. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. And then I, I think when we first tried it, wasn't it? Did you yeah, try it a plastic bucket? We didn't, and, we, and, and that didn't... You know, well, we found out, we, we actually found a garbage can. So the first <laughs> ones were done into a garbage can. But then after a while, I, uh, I, I brought a, a metal bucket from, from home, mm. which worked better. And then one time when we needed it, I, I was looking all over the house for it, and it's like... Where, where is where's the bucket? And I found it. I found it out in the backyard, and it was full. It was full of ashes that had been <laughs> doused with water. So it was a big, basically bucket of mud. So, so we ran out to uh, Lowe's or someplace and bought a new bucket, which is just used for that purpose. The now. screaming so the bucket. Screaming. The screaming. Doesn't hang in the office. Yeah, right. It's in the, the screaming office. bucket. Is awesome. In the office. A personal sound guy question. It, uh, the scream always seems to like cut in and out. Is that something that you guys do? With yeah, sometimes the it, the 
first part of it is trimmed off so okay. you cut into it, it i had always heard it, that that the original like the original tom screams like the head and tail was kind of clipped so yeah. that instead of like uh, ah, like you you just go that long sustained ah, like <laughs> shriek of pain ah, which and there's there's you know varying you know sometimes it's just the long you know thing that you're talking about yeah. and then there's the wahoo's and the you know all yeah. kinds of them so have you ever done a don't you believe it don't oh. you believe it <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't worked that in yet but, yeah uh, it's almost like you're doing the characters so well like you don't have to even you know when, when they would speak in bill and joe's cartoons i never got the idea they were really talking i got the idea they were making noise like there's like see like in solid serenade where tom is singing he learned how to sing that off the radio, and when he like throws the stick for Spike, he's going like, "Here, boy, here, boy." He's like imitating what he heard a human do, but he he can't really talk himself. It, I mean, it scream. is weird because they're like when you do watch the cartoons, they both talk yeah a lot more than you think that they do. Like yeah. if you put them all together and you watched it, it's like, wow, yeah, I guess they do. I mean, but the, yeah. the impression is is that they they can't talk. Yeah, you know, I know. But except the in these but special the, moments, the when, reality of yeah, it is, yeah. they can talk, but they choose. They not choose to, not right? to, which yeah. makes less like no yeah. sense at all. <laughs> because there is, I watched one the other night, and it's one of the later ones, but I, I enjoy it because Bill Thompson, and again, he's playing a guest character. He's playing Tom's lookalike cousin, and he's doing. It's not quite the droopy voice. It's more like the Ranger Woodlore voice, like "Oh, Tom, I'm so scared of the mouse." <laughs> And Tom is like laughing at him, and and Tom, when Tom realizes Jerry's doing, it, he goes and he whispers to him, and he and he, so he can't communicate. And there in Saturday Evening Puss, Jerry gets so pissed off with Tom, he just calls up Mammy Two Shoes on the yeah. phone and yeah. says, "There's a riot going on in your house." And she runs over, beats the hell out of him. We don't hear what Jerry's saying on the phone, but he obviously got on the phone and called yeah, no, her up. They, I I think they they can't talk just so they could drive animators crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't talk. Well, it, you know, that that's the thing. Is like, Well, there's another kind of, I don't know if it's a hard and fast rule, but it's something I always kind of keep in my mind is like, just because they don't talk doesn't mean every character around them has to also. You know, like they, it, it's like if, if, if the truce, you know, like if they had made the truce hurts when they made the... Uh, the cartoons in the '70s, where they were making them for TV, and the characters, you know, for uh, were more pals and everything. Spike would be talking all the way through that cartoon, you know, yeah. like, "Well, I'm going to fix my pal's breakfast, and I'm going to do this." And and I guess that that was like '70s TV animation was the characters had to be yakking all the time, and even though Tom and Jerry didn't have to talk. Everybody else, those cartoons are really chatty because it's, it's like wall to wall dialogue, and they're just well, sort sometimes of like, even what we're you know, it's like, yeah. hey, Tuffy, you better stay pretty close because someone's gonna need to explain something, yeah, so. yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah. So, they're they, the other characters do come in handy for exposition and stuff, so and you do need that occasionally. So, you're making some more, huh? Got yeah, a few more in the works, continuing. Yeah, we have another one, another, uh, another, there's a weird one possibly coming up. Mm. That, we can't talk there's about a, it right there's now. There's actually, yeah, there's one of them that we're sort of finishing up right now. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one that we're starting, which, and they're both, they both are very interesting ideas and mm -hmm. they're both very, very different from what we've done mm -hmm. before. So cool. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's surprising because you can, you know, just by kind of moving through these genres, uh, you know, you can 
you can make really different feeling yeah owns. I, I have to say like one of the, my favorite things about this one is that I think this one really does have a lot of heart to it and, yeah and uh, you know I think you did a terrific job thank you Paul and yeah I think that uh, this is this is one of my favorite ones if not my favorite one well, there are there's certain things you have to do that you know when uh, when I was offered the assignment I jumped at it because there, as a writer, there are things I have to do to satisfy my inner kid, you know, and I'm pretty much a big kid as it is. But there's a part of me that loves Tom and Jerry, loves classic cartoons, and will always come a running to do something like that because it's, you know, it's it, it really speaks to me as a writer, as a as a fan of cartoons, as of animation, as somebody who just wants to see it done as well as it can be done. If I can contribute to that, you know, sign me up. Well, I, I think you have a great. Uh, sense of who these characters thank are you. and it, it it made our job easier thank you i mean you know it's like you grow up loving it you know i mean it's like if you grew up loving if you if you grow up loving a certain type of music you know you love playing the violin or the piano or something you just okay when when do i get to do play moonlight sonata when do i get to play you know uh, you know a great you know a classical work or a fun piece or something like that so it's like my, you know, I, never you know you, you will never be able to recreate exactly what Bill or Joe or Tex Avery did before. But on the other hand, that shouldn't stop people from taking their turn at bat. You know, if you really love this stuff why, and you get the opportunity, why not? And and we like you said earlier, we got a chance uh, to show this at Comic Con on Family uh -huh. Day on Sunday, yeah. and, and we had a nice crowd, and we uh -huh. had a nice crowd of families with you know little yeah. kids and parents and. And it had a great reception, and everyone seemed to get a little something out of it, which is always, it's always our goal yeah. to make, to, to make was something we, that can be took, appreciated we, by everyone. And, and, the, and there were some little kids, and, bef and before it, we took a couple of questions, and, and one little girl got up and she asked, she asked how old Tom and Jerry were. And my reaction to it was I was just going from a historical standpoint and trying to figure, well, 1940, so that's uh, you know seventy three years, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I, and said, I think she was really just. You and know. I said they're eleven. <laughs> and then you, you thought about for a second. Yeah, they're about eleven. <laughs> yeah, they're you know they're, they're probably you know maybe Tom acts a little older sometimes when he's trying to court a girl. Yeah, I always kind of think of them like they're eleven year olds who are aware of. But girls. they're like yeah, they're like yeah, you know, yeah. eleven year olds I, who are aware of girls. Yeah. I always think about them like they're little men somehow. Like, yeah, because they seem to. Yeah. They seem to have the all like, like there is a certain childlike quality to the them, but they do seem to have all of the good and bad things, mostly the bad things about being men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just hair trigger tempers and violent, and easily aroused in various ways, heavily motivated by food. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. In that in that same cartoon I, I mentioned before with uh with Tom's cousin, there's this great little moment where Jerry comes out of his hole, he's looking around, he sees a dish of candy, and he goes like, Oh, and he does this little dance over it. And he's eating the candies one after another. And that's that's to me that's very charming. That's just that's what a little man would do. What a little, what a little Or a very big man. Or a very yeah, big I man, did, yes. I've, I did that yesterday. I've done that myself, <laughs> yes. Oh, you know, while we've got some time, I put it out on Twitter, you know, about this. How are we running? We're almost uh, two we're, hours. Uh, yeah, we're uh, at about 90 minutes, so it's two podcasts already. So Okay. Well, yeah, uh, no problem. 
Let's uh, take uh, one podcast was just about Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we could go in and, and split some stuff up. Um, um, I have a quick question. Uh, you guys yes. got to explore a lot of uh, characters that you haven't touched on yet in this last movie. Is there any that you still would like to explore or haven't yet, or like? Yeah, you, in... you know what's weird? It's like I love the the little duck character, quacky dude. Oh uh, yeah, that, that turned into like right at Hanna Barbera. It's the very very similar character. To little the, quacker, right? And so he's called in some of the. I got yeah, the little duck. But, yeah, but it's deal, like yeah. it's I I love that character. He's in some great cartoons. Oh, and, and we yeah. we haven't been able to work that. We haven't mm. been able to work him in. I think there was some idea to do him in this because as the golden a, goose, yeah, right, or, oh, or, a, or, a, or a giant duckling who just right. happened to have the golden egg. I, I thought it just didn't. It, it didn't quite work out no. for some reason. Huh. But the the goose you used in there was very much in the in the in the mold of the classic MGM type characters, like you know, like a barnyard character, and it had a lot of personality to it, and and it was very, even though the the golden goose is not a big character in it. The I, I was struck at how well it was animated, and it reminded me of like in the Tom and Jerry cartoons where they're taking care of a baby bird, and there's a mother right. duck or yeah. something like that. You know, it's very grateful of that being it, it, like Tom and Jerry. It also doesn't talk, but it communicates through quacks and honks and everything, and and you know when it hugs them and everything. It's just it's got a lot of personality. It was a really nice, nice character. All the characters just had had so much. Snap and, and what, personality. What were, you, what were you gonna say, Spencer? Oh no, no, no! Early, gonna... a long time ago, uh, Paul asked favorite Tom and Jerry cartoons, and when you said Quacky Doodle, I was like, I love that cartoon where Quacky Doodle thinks that Tom is his mother. Oh, yeah. oh remember yeah. that? A it's a really, it's a really sweet it one because Tom it's... wants to eat him, and he's like, he <laughs> yeah. just wants to please his mother. Yeah. And then when he finally figures out, okay, he finally figures out that Tom's trying to eat him. It's like, what if my mama needs to get some food? <laughs> and he's walking on the spoon to jump into into the, the boiling the... water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then as he's doing it, the Tom grabs him and he's no. He does. He actually. Yeah. He, see, there's another another yeah. point where he actually talks. Yeah. No, yeah. No. Well. I hate to say, but my favorite is the one where he's flying south and Tom keeps trying to eat him. And, and at the end, Jerry, you know, he's never going to get out south yeah. on his own. So Jerry just puts him on an airplane and takes him there. Right. And the ending is they're wearing big Bermuda shorts and they're walking around the beat, Miami Beach. And they go, well, Jerry, we finally made it down south. I don't know what happened to that stupid cat. And they see them like lounging in the sun. And then Tom comes up from behind a sand dune and he traps them both in a in a bucket. And then he takes the beach umbrella and pulls it down and goes like. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear actually the ducks, you know, yelling and screaming. <laughs> there was just... no Tom and Jerry cartoons after that yeah. <laughs> no there weren't well that uh, I, I have to say that uh, one day what the day that uh mr barbera drew that sketch of tom and jerry we were talking about him and i said i have to tell you uh, you know i love tom and jerry but there was this one that gave I, that made me feel so bad as a kid he goes i know i know povra povra pussycat mm -hmm. and i go yeah and that's the two musketeers because and that's the one where where uh Jerry and Tuffy are the musketeers, and Tom has to guard the king's feast. And Tom is told, "If you do not, you know, keep if you don't keep the mice out, you're off to the guillotine with you." And that has that really kind of 
somber scene at the end where they're the mice are you know they have all the food and then they stop and you see the guillotine blade come down and it's all kind of in silhouette and you get the idea <laughs> oh man he's really dead <laughs> and i remember watching it as a kid my mom was in the room and i said he's is he dead? And he goes, well, you know, he'll he'll probably come back in the next one. And I go, yeah, but the mice are singing at his death. <laughs> Isn't it one of the ones with the little duck is trying to kill himself by yeah. getting Oh, the, yeah. He's trying to kill himself. He thinks he's so ugly. He thinks he's so ugly he's going to kill himself and use Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Himself to Tom. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to either kill himself to please his mother or right. because he's, he's too ugly. He thinks he's, he's ugly. He's an adorable he character who's constantly trying to kill himself. He yeah. has self-esteem. So we'd like to put him in one because he's a good, good role model. Well, I hope he survives the cartoon. <laughs> Um, there is, and there's that one that's narrated by uh, Paul Fries as Jerry is the voice of Jerry's uh, oh, consciousness, yeah. where Tom oh. is just waiting on for death on the railroad tracks. Oh, I forget. And Tom's just in the process of committing suicide. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Tom, poor love suck, stuck creature. Yeah, that one's kind of sad. That's bleak. Too, there's yeah. nothing Tom yeah. can do to that, win yeah. the heart yeah, of that. That one's tragic. Yeah. Isn't he like he's? Is, it, is that the motor? It's a woman. He's ruined by a woman. Yeah. 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 He Bro. signs away his life and his arm and his leg yeah. to buy it. Yeah. Every time he, he gets something, like he gets a tiny diamond, and Butch <laughs> gives her like a huge yeah. one, and then he he sacrifices everything to buy a tiny little car, and Butch just mows him down. There are some the... rough life lessons to be learned in that kind of thing. Well, you can learn a lot from Tommy. <laughs> Is it just yeah, that, to... that is not the story of an eleven-year-old. Yeah. I mean, no. one, one <laughs> that is things, a little man. One of the things also that yes. we haven't really done in these uh, that might be kind of fun to do, like at various times, they do have like these sort of girlfriendy type characters that yeah. that show up, and, and, and that that's something that uh, we haven't done a romance. Still, for yeah, we haven't put that white that, that sexy that sexy yeah. white cat the little the white cat. <laughs> Mini skirt and a bow in her hair. That's all she has. Yeah. Um, Maybe do a whole spin-off cartoon about her. Let's do a Valentine cartoon about you know them, uh, just you know with their respective girlfriends. Can you read these off for you? Uh, I got them. Let's see. Um, We have some uh, questions, and uh, uh, one is from Jimbo McDee who says, "Wasn't there supposed to be a new Tom and Jerry TV show this year?" Yeah, that's true. There, um, there is uh, a Tom and Jerry TV show that's coming out. We don't have anything to do with it, but mm-hmm. um, it is. Uh, it's it's a Warner Brothers show, and I believe it's going to run on on Cartoon, on Cartoon Network. Network. I'm not sure when, but it will be out this year. And mm-hmm. that is um, that's being done by um, Renegade. Yeah. So, hmm. have you seen any of it? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Calibron says, will Tom and Jerry go back to having a jazz soundtrack? Uh, well, I mean, what the neat thing is, is that we, we have, uh, restored the, the Tom and Jerry fan. Yeah, the Tom and Jerry theme we've been able to finally get back and use that again. I know it's, because of these, these DVDs have been kind of like these adventures. Yeah. It's been a little hard to get that real kind of jazz, jazzy sound in there, but Uh maybe... There is this idea that maybe we could talk about in the future that I think is heading in that direction in a big way. Like for a future one? Yeah, for a future one where I think that kind of more jazzy kind of approach Sign me up. Will, uh, mm-hmm. will work Sign very well. And, and that, that one's going to be very different and uh, because of who's 
the world. I, I, I already have my hand raised. <laughs> yeah, please. That, but that could be really cool. Call on me. You um, have those simple see. backgrounds like the old DPUA ones and stuff. Uh, it's it's interesting. The okay, the one not not giant adventure, but the next one has kind of a cool look where everything it looks a little bit like uh more like uh like vintagey kind of paintings like mm. uh-huh. has a little bit of uh a little bit of a different look to it um like old kind of like like vintage fantasy paintings i, th- yeah. I think that's going to be that's going to mm-hmm. be pretty cool yeah but then this other one that we're talking of you know that we're hinting about if that one gets made will be have a completely different style were you guys involved with the uh pirate tom jerry that was uh, out a few years ago no. Oh, okay. no we were asked not to be involved <laughs> uh, i'm sorry to hear that you, you guys took say. over with nutcracker right okay. right yeah, yeah that was the first that was the first of the the direct videos mm-hmm. but we we had really had a hand in them starting to make these things yeah, yeah. Um, we did okay. pitch the whole idea of doing tom and jerry dvds at all and then, um, and then we did not make the first few. But, uh, <laughs> wow, it's fun. You know, sometimes we're behind the scenes yelling about things, mm-hmm. and then other people make them. Quantum Burner asks, "What style of animation, i.e., CG, cell, vector, for Giant Adventure?" That's very, very traditional. Very traditional. Man, I, the look of this is like Could not be more traditional. Right out of the late '40s, early '50s. Yeah, and it's beautiful looking. Um, Quantum Burner also asks, will it be as wild and crazy with the silent duo as the old school tunes? <clears throat> or I hate to say sitcomish like New Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sitcomish like the New no. Looney Tunes. Um, let's see. Although, what would that be like? A what? sitcom with Tom and Jerry with two guys who don't talk. That'd be the weirdest. That'd be like a this Moomin Shant sitcom. I mean, what, it doesn't make any sense. All I can see is them like sitting in the diner from Seinfeld. And they're eating sandwiches, and that's all they're doing. Right, they're just eating. They're just eating. You know, Tom like eats a sandwich, and Jerry like picks out his cheese yeah. and eats that. And um, maybe Tom, you know, uh, you know, pretends to go to the bathroom and stiffs Jerry with a check. <laughs> Jerry's running down the street. You know, you gotta pay. Like you gotta pay. I don't know what what that would be like. It'd be like uh, you know, twenty two interesting minutes to fill. Um, TD Spidey 616 says, favorite Duck Dodgers episode. Oh. Did you have a, fav- a favorite one? Well, that's real. That's, that's a that's... good. There's some I. What would, what would... There's a lot of them I like. A lot of them are really good. Season two of Season Duck two, Dodgers right. is going to be available. Let's on... plug that. Season two oh, wow. of uh, Duck okay. Dodgers that just came out on DVD. And then a season nice. three after that. Well, you did four seasons. You did four. Three. 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 Old Man Dodgers is uh, pretty good. Old Man Dodgers is good. I liked. Oh God, I like some of them from the first season. I I, I love that Agent Roboto. Yeah. Robert, Robert, great that was character. Great. Yeah, that was a great. One. I love the one where he uh, the Martian trials where he's going to marry the Martian queen. <laughs> he uh, has to do yeah. like the Martian trials. And... Yeah, there was a lot of fun fun stuff we had with the, with the Martian queen. I I like the um, also the. The weird Frankenstein one that we did in essentially oh, yeah. in black and white. Oh, Bruce Tim did some designs yeah, for yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, it was really great. I like that one with the baby moonbeam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and Ralph. I gotta tell yeah, Ralph. Ralph. We had a kind of lot of Ralph. a lot of fun doing those. There's the, sh- and there's a lot of really different episodes. Yeah, even like in the second and th- like uh, there's plenty like, 
I like the the one with Dave Mustaine from Megadeth and the. Third oh, I love season. the Kelly Ripa episode. Yeah, the Kelly Ripa. The new one. cadet. Yeah. Oh the new God, cadet what a great. sick character. And uh, we had a lot of fun guest stars. I love that uh, the Samurai Quack one. Yeah. You oh know, yeah. And uh, that was Gendy. a Gendy. huge challenge, yeah. and actually yeah. had Gendy come on the show. Boy, some really really great ones. I love the Brian Wilson one. Yeah. Personally, then, I love that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the uh, the Green Loon turn. Which oh, yeah. Classic. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was really... I, I, I'm very satisfied with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> John Delancey as Sinestro. Yeah. That was, oh, yeah. that was yeah. really great. Um, and we were just... I was just talking about this with Spencer. We were, we were driving home. He's, uh, he's interning over at uh, Warner Brothers uh-huh. this summer. And so we were... We're carpool buddies, and uh, we were just talking about uh, Kilowog in that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and it's it, and I think that's a terrific and, uh, version of, yeah. of Kilowog. That's my it? favorite all-time favorite version of Kilowog. Yeah. And I, I know they developed. <laughs> you guys developed it, Tony. You had a large part in developing that Green Lantern series, and I. Yeah, when I that's yeah. when. The reason we even made Green Loon Turn and were able to make it was we were developing a Green Lantern series at the yeah. same time we were developing Duck Dodgers. And they said, which one do you want to do? And we said Duck Dodgers. But we had yeah, you. we had a ton of uh, Green Lantern stuff. Yeah. And which, I remember it was Kyle Rayner and it was sort yeah, of was like Kyle. the Sword in the Stone where he, yeah. was, he was almost like Wart in the Sword in yeah, the Stone. The whole idea was almost to do like... A, Don Bluth's Space Ace. Yeah. And wow. do it kind of... It really... It would have had a different style and it would have been kind of a Dragon's Lair Space Ace yeah. influence version of the Green Lantern. You yeah. would have made my childhood. Yeah, it would have been It would have been cool. It I, would, I, it was, was our, like the designs were great. And a lot of them... <laughs> and a lot of them showed up in the Green Lantern also. Yeah. yeah, and we spent a lot of time thinking about... Kill- like, I think our version That's of Kilowog, Kilowog. but I think it. our version of Kilowog is very close to the way he was in the comics. Like, yeah, we, you're right. We did, yeah. You're right. We did pay very, you know, we were real honorable. Who else was in that? Budika was in that. One? Yeah, Sol- by the way, Solak Budica. and yeah, Tomari. Tomari. Everyone. In fact, that that's the great story is we called Paul Levitz, right? When yeah, he was at DC, and they said, and at that point, like you had to negotiate per character, and we said yeah. we want to do something with the Green Lanterns, and he was like, Green Lanterns, which one? And we were like, all of them. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, all of them. Yeah. All of them. And he's like, well, we can't because we negotiate per character. I was like, all the, of them. The core, yeah. So it was like, the core. So that's, it's like, and we, we've, we didn't invent very many, if any. So even like on the, in the big crowd scenes, we're like, we pulled that guy out of a comic. We pulled that yeah. guy, you know, that weird diamond guy. And the, even Scott Shaw's Green Lamp yeah, is the in there Green from Captain Terra. Yeah. Chip. Yeah. And you and know, Chip, uh, ships in it, yeah. and uh, Captain Tui. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but even uh, you know, John Stewart's in it, and uh, mm-hmm. what's his name, the guy with the bad haircut. Uh, oh, uh, Guy, Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner's yeah. in it. Like everyone's Nort in is, it. Is Nord? Nord. Nord yeah. Nord's in it for yeah. one shot. Yeah. Gets zapped away by. I think when they when um, I think it was Sam who Sam Register who called up Paul, you know, to get the official like if we could you do the crossover, and he said. He explained that he wanted to put him on Duck Dodgers, and Paul just went, eh! and, and, he's, and, and Sam said, what, what does that mean? He goes, I'm laughing. And, and he actually thought it was a funny idea to, for whatever reason to put 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine Paul just like that one like laugh. Well, of, we of got delight. a good compliment from him. Yeah, and that, that's largely in part due to you again, where he said, "Look, you had a lot of fun with that. It was very funny, but also you were." You know those characters were treated so respectfully. Well, well, thanks. I mean, but, that was. I mean, that was always our goal too. Is like yeah. we we like those characters. We're we're not going to just rip on them. So yeah, and we're not going to do them totally seriously. We're going to find out what we love about them, and and you know just sort of craft the story around yeah. around that. And I remember uh, there was a. Uh, one other thing. Oh, I, I uh, actually, it to. Do that episode of Duck Dodgers did not take that much intercompany wrangling or, yeah, yeah. or expense or anything. But I remember about a year after it aired, I was at Comic-Con with Paul in the DC booth. And a fan came up and complimented uh, us on the episode. And he said, what I really want to get from DC Direct is a Green Lantern action figure. Oh. And Paul made another sound that wasn't laughing. <laughs> and I said, what, what's, what is, what's wrong? And he goes... He said, it was easy to make the cartoon, but to make a figure would cross so many lines that even if we sold out of every one of them, it wouldn't make enough to... Yeah, we have have a fan-built one in the trophy case at Warner Brothers Animation. Oh, really? We found it on eBay. Yeah, found it on eBay, because that's the only way we could get one. Oh, yeah. That's funny. They can do Alfred E. Newman dressed as Batman and Superman and Flash and Wonder Woman, but they can't do Daffy Duck in the... So I, and that it, image, it, I gotta tell you, the image know. of him as uh, the Green Lantern, that, that I find that all over the place. Yeah, it's it's, 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 a, it's, it's fun. Yeah, phone, you know. Maybe at some point, and, you know, as the, as the show kind of goes on and has a vintage classic status over the years, that'll that'll be something like you know they're making the original Batman '60s figure, so at some point they'll probably make a Green Lantern also. <laughs> but we can, we can't talk about the last episode of the Looney Tunes show. Okay. And it is not the Green Loon Turn, uh-huh. but it's something. Oh, oh it is. Yeah, okay, that's about all we can say. When's it coming? I don't know. It may actually it turn. It may. It's either going to run as the last episode of the show in a couple of months, or um, they're going to hold it and make it a special. We'll see. It's not. It's. It's not the normal show. It's. It's something completely different than oh. the show normally is. Hmm. Like we just went out with a, a totally weird one. Are uh, are you going to do any more Looney Tunes after this, or now they... we're done? Oh. That's it. And I, don't, you know, I don't think. Uh... Well, Bugs and Daffy never stay dormant too long. They'll probably be no. Someone will do something. Yeah. That's that's good. If you had a pet character, you could take like either Warner Brothers or Hanna Barbera from any point in their history and make a cartoon of it. Which which would it be? Well, that's, well, that's well I could t- we could talk ones. about this because it's been announced, but we're going to do. Uh, direct a video with the Flintstones That's and right. the WWE wrestling characters. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, Are they all going to be in Flintstone? Yeah, Flintstone version. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah it's yeah. not totally yeah. Stony Curtis style. Yeah, awesome. Oh, great, great. Awesome. <laughs> but, the uh, Rock just stays the same. <laughs> right. Uh, the, yeah. But uh, the Rock is just a Rock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we you know the Flintstones are a big deal less and. Uh-huh. It's been great. We have putting the crew together because everyone wants to work on it. And uh-huh. when the idea was first pitched to us, they because because there was a Scooby Doo WWE yeah. thing uh-huh. and DVD, and then they said, "Well, do you want to? What about doing one with the Flintstones?" And we we're like, "Yeah, well, they already like wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. Fred and Barney liking wrestling yeah. seems pretty well established. So yeah. it really wasn't that hard to come up with 
with a good Flintstone story that it, it incorporated wrestlers. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be fun. And uh, we've already started uh, with the designs, and they're they're kind of going back to early Flintstones roots, a little more Ed Benedict right. style, but. Shane Glines is doing the designs. Oh, and, uh, wonderful. He's so good. And they're beautiful. And they're new, oh, but they're the same. Yeah. And they're In the spirit of it? Uh, absolutely yeah. in the spirit of it. But then kind of pushed in a cool Shane way. And yeah, he's the girl, awesome. The girls are looking hot, and it's, mm. it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Can I make a request? Yeah. Put the cat in. I always like the cat. Which cat? Baby puss. Oh, <laughs> I know. I might he, sneak him in. He's he, not, he never, he never gets, he right? never gets in the show. He's always in. The, I always liked the design of the character, and you know the the, and the, I love the fact that they had a tiger living in their house. So, but he never showed. Up, he was only in like a handful of the episodes, just sort of in the or background. The opening, or the, yeah. is it yeah. the end or the opening? Like, no, he puts out the milk and kicks out the yeah. cat at the yeah. opening. No, but he also is in the opening. You know, yeah. they they all yeah. they all jump into the car and go to the movies. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's just throw him in the background, like sleeping on the couch or something. I mean, it's very kind of typical bed, you know, it's yeah. a bedrock story. It's in, uh, there's a lot of cool, it's going to be good. Cool. I'm it's looking be forward fun. to it. I can't, I mean. It's been a dozen years, I think, until, since they've really done anything yeah. with the Flintstones. Yeah. If, because like even Flintstone on the Rocks is, it's 12 years ago. It's hard yeah. to, I, it doesn't seem like 12 years ago, but. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, yeah. so. And you and, and, and uh. The, the three of us had a HB project in the work. I don't know if we can really talk about that. I hope it gets revived though at some point. Yeah, I love that. Project. I would love to do oh, that too. Oh god, that, that was good. That was that good. Was my yeah. other dream come true would be yeah, to, to finish to that, that one up. Yeah. But you know, no one. I wouldn't have expected the Flintstones. So you know, maybe maybe something will yeah. pop up. I do feel like I'm yeah. uh, with the Flintstones. It's. There's a weird like instant comfort with them. Yeah. Where yeah. like sometimes with the Looney Tunes, like as as much experience as we have with them, they're always kind of some built-in toil, you know. Right. Like, uh, which Bugs Bunny is it? You know, mm-hmm. uh-huh. where are you gonna go? Are you gonna go, cl- you know, clamp at Jones or something new? Or there, there's so much to think about, you know. Yeah. But it's like the Flintstones are the are the Flintstone, you know. Yeah. Like it's like yeah, I know that guy. I know Fred Flintstone. Everyone knows Fred. You know, he's he's not. He's iconic. I mean, you right. can just, you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to say. Same with Barney. And that's something we want to do is keep Fred, Fred, but then, you know, the, like Ralph Cramden, you know, at the there's a sweetness yeah. and a vulnerability underneath all that angry bluster. Yeah. And if you have one without the other, you don't have the whole character, so... It's yeah, got Fred is a very heartfelt, sweet character. He's, yeah. he's he's easily led astray, but you know he wises up and he knows that he has to come back and make good and everything. Yeah, you could let him be a raging a hole from you know two acts and then <laughs> the third have, one have him clean up his act in a third. Pebbles and Bam Bam in it. Yep, babies. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's fun. Uh, one of the things we're we're going through it now and and going through the. Uh, Going through the research of, so we've been doing lots and lots of screen grabs from the first, starting with the first three seasons and then yeah. going f- fast. But it's like, all right, let's get some good reference for their house. Let's get good reference for. It's like every single, it's not even the same in the same episode. No, uh-uh. I mean it's radically different. The the and you, the Flintstones house is more confusing than the Rubble's house. Yeah, like it is a different every. It is a different house in every episode. Even as Fred's car, which you think is pretty iconic, uh-huh. 
pretty standardized. You look at it, it's a like different. A long, they drew it up. Yeah, it's either real long, long right? Yeah, right. It is. <laughs> it is. It is different from cartoon to cartoon. To it cartoon. changed more than the Ranger and Yogi Bear. You know, the, the voice stayed the same, but sometimes he's got a pointed nose. Sometimes it's a blunt nose. Oh sometimes gosh, he's blonde. Those cartoons, very. You're What's, so right. Yeah. <laughs> every in every cut, it's just how. There's that the great story. scene in that John Cave. Where the Ranger's where the like Rangers, every time he walks behind yeah, a tree, behind it's a tree, different, it's a different Ranger. Yeah. How about really the uh, anachronistic technology? You know, they always did the record players and stuff. You're going to have DVRs yeah. and stuff like that. that yeah, all, that's like, something we know. Every, yeah. yeah, And it's awesome. like, how, we, I don't exist. Like, like that, too, because it's like, okay, they have TVs and radios that are receiving some kind of transmission. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we could do Stone Age Wi-Fi. But yeah. yeah, could you have iPhones, per se? Or yeah, a it's like, well, phone? we want to do it, but, that, yeah. but that's going to be, I think... That's harder work than anything. Is like, what is a bedrock? What is a Stone Age uh, iPad gonna be? I always figured texting was something like they talk into something and then a oh, hatch opens, a little bird flies out and then just repeats it. And once it gets into somebody else's, it's tweeting. That's tweeting. Yeah, tweet, yeah, that's oh, tweeting. There, oh, there, yeah, there, there you go. That's tweeting. That's tweeting. <laughs> Let me tweet that. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm downtown. The, I'm downtown. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, believe me, that'll be in there. Yeah. <laughs> these characters, these characters never leave your mind. Like today, we, Misty and I were driving around, and um, there was a film crew set up, and there was a craft service wagon there, and I was thinking, like, that would be that's a setting I've never seen in Tom and Jerry, but that would be kind of good. Like, there's a cook cooking for yeah people on, on a movie. There's a movie shoot on a, on a lot. And Jerry is like running around fixing himself a sandwich and the cook comes in and Tom's in a basket, you know, or eating something himself. He goes, hey, the mouse is back. Why don't you, why don't you do something about that? And it would be fun to do it on like a craft services wagon or like, like a taco wagon that sets up at various places. And I could just imagine the two of them wailing the crap out of each other. They're not even aware that they've started the van and it's peeling through the studio and they're crashing from movie, stu- from movie uh, set to movie set and, and something like that. And this is just like me, like it just clicked into my head when I was driving by the set, and I thought, like, there's an idea. So there's you know, free pitch for a food, uh, a food truck for for something for something down the road, but it's just like, well, I've never seen it before. I don't know if it's good, but it's something. <laughs> it's it's fighting food and the cat and mouse. So there's, I think it's eighty percent there. So I can't remember what uh, Peter Roth always said about. Scooby and Shaggy. He's like, well, there's three things you got to remember. It's food, fear, and fun. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a, one last question here is um, okay. What is this? Uh, Somebody asked about uh, oh, Stingray Travel says in '09 talks were of a live action CGI Tom and Jerry origin movie. Would uh, would that be something you'd work on, or would you, or are you involved with that at all? That was something that was on the lot, wasn't it? They were yeah, discussing no, as a feature. we weren't involved in that. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, I haven't heard anything yeah, about it in a long time. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't mean they aren't making it right now, for all I know. You know, yeah, origin story. The cat's asleep. The walk, mouse walks out of the hole. <laughs> yeah, that's the origin. You know, it's like you know they just, <laughs> you know, it's pretty much it. Wasn't a cat like bit by a radioactive spider? You do like some kind, of, yeah, some kind of big Marvel style Tom and Jerry origin. Spider, spider Mouse, guys. Yeah. 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 There you go. There you go. 
Um, they just they're just sort of eternal characters. You can put them anywhere and and different historical things like they did the Mouseketeers and westerns and things like that. Yeah, it's like any place there's a cat and a mouse. It's like and a lead pipe. Video. Yeah, yeah. I guess they have something to bash each other over the head with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of that's something that's sort of neat about the the original cartoons was because they they did that. Yeah, you know. And it felt totally natural, and I mean, it, it really has allowed us to to you know stick these characters in these kind of different situations, mm-hmm. and you you feel like well, that's been grandfathered into the into the property that yeah that mm-hmm. they take you know this takes they can be in different time periods, different you know situations, and you're still you still buy. Yeah, you can also notice like in the originals, like where they vary the mot- Bill and Joe vary the motif a little bit, like you know, like in Peanuts, you know, there once a year there's the Great Pumpkin or Charlie Brown, you know, kicking the football or something. Like in Tom and Jerry, yeah, it's cat and mouse in a house, but there's like Spike and Tyke, and they might do one where Spike says to Tom, "You better not, whatever to to Tyke, you better let him chase you, you better not see that he stays clean, you better." And the the setup is always the same. It's like a subset is Jerry screws with Tom so that Spike will beat the crap out of him, yeah. you know, and or uh, the Mouseketeers are kind of like a little subset within within that or, you know, some of the other things they would do or Tom's romances. And that's how it seems like they would it would still be cat and mouse, but they would go back. It was almost like, well, we haven't done a romance in a year or two. So let's go. Let's let's do another little romance or something like that. It's a very creative way to take something and just sort of like, you know, mix it up a little bit rather than just, you know, chasing through the living room and stuff. Any final comments on uh, the giant adventure? And uh, I mean, like we, you know, I, we had a lot of really fantastic people work on this mm-hmm. and, um, you, you know, we had a lot of fun making it and. It, uh, I, I think, think it shows. Did, and know? I think, yeah, I think it does show. Yeah. And I think that people are going to enjoy it. And it's a good one. Yeah. And we're happy. We're happy to be talking about it. We're happy to have made it. I did notice that, you know, and this is something that's, I, I was watching the audience at Comic Con for this. The op- like, as you mentioned, it, it is, it's, it, it opens like a book. And there's kind of a somber note to it. And that once that's established, it does kind of hook you in, like oh yeah, it's, like it's, Cinderella, you know, like uh, or like a fairy tale. Like there was this hero, and then there was tragedy, and then this is how they're trying to pick up and go along. And I think that if you establish that early on in any kind of story, especially in animation, you kind of have hooked your audience yeah. into it, and then you can have the funny opening with the characters and and the and all the action and everything. Because in this one, Tom and Jerry are really kind of you know they're 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 the comic relief in it and. They don't really have a story of their own. Their story is Jack's story, basically, and they're to, you know, be his pals. And so, what happens to him happens to them. But it's not like they have their own thing to accomplish off a off a different track. But they're they fill the role of sidekick and comic relief very ably in this one, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, I think this one's. I look forward to seeing the reaction it gets and what the fans say and what the kids say and. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't I don't always look forward to it, but this is this is one of the cases where I do. Yeah, and, and uh, gone down. I mean, you know, it is it is fun to actually watch an audience 
watch this thing because yeah. you know you you generally you know we screened this with the crew yeah but everybody's very familiar with the story by that point uh-huh. they've worked on it they're looking at it to see how their work has shown up on it and so in some ways the only way to really to really experience it the way an audience experiences it is by watching people who have had nothing to do with it mm-hmm. uh, watch it and so that's it was very gratifying to sit there and watch people be engrossed in it and mm-hmm. to laugh at the appropriate places and mm-hmm. to get the references you know yeah. with I don't know there were several hundred people watching it I would imagine right about a thousand actually yeah all right. Well, yeah, yeah. We had a full house. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Uh, last question about Bill and Joe. When you, the, when you mentioned the spike, that sort of put it in my head. Did they ever go and watch their pictures? Like, like would they when a new yeah. Tom and Jerry would come out? And, yeah, and they um, they would go. They would go and watch it, and uh-huh. uh, they would they would they would also screen the um, the, the way they made these things was that um, Joe would essentially you know, do most of the story stuff. He did the, the boards. Then they would, uh, he would oversee the layouts either with uh, Harvey um, Eisenberg or um, uh, Dick Bickenbach. Yeah. And so, so those layouts would be, would be timed and shot. Uh-huh. And then they would play those reels, the, the story reels um, for, just people at the studio and see what you know see what their reaction was uh-huh. and that's actually one of the ways that they they got into limited animation was they realized that so much of the entertainment was already there just in those in the in the pose reels that they they knew that they they would be able to do limited animation but then i, I did talk to joe barbera and he said yeah we would go and we would go and watch them with just a with just an audience, you know, uh-huh. when the cartoons were were finished, and they were like, you know, when the, and when and when the, you know, when he hit him, you know, they would laugh, and so the next time we would hit him harder, and they would laugh, <laughs> or, you know, so, so they were they were very they were very aware of market uh, research the way the audience would was was reacting to these things. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Did they get along with Tex Avery? You know what? I think that um, they, they, you know, they worked at the at, at MGM together, uh-huh. and my understanding was that they were, you know, they were they were the two rival, you know, crews. Yeah. And so, I think they were a little bit guarded about, um, you know, they didn't want anybody to steal their jokes and text was very secretive about his stuff, I guess. Sure. Not wanting them to steal his material. Yeah. But I know that when, uh, you know, years later in the seventies, when, um, Tex actually came and worked at Hanna-Barbera. Right. That, uh, that they were very excited that he had, yeah. he had come to work for them. Oh, so. cool. Any chance of a Barney Bear set being released on DVD? I'm the only one who ever, I think, me and Jerry Beck are the only two who have ever. Oh, and you two? I, I would love to see a Barney Bear set. Uh-huh. I don't know if they ever would, but today I actually was scanning um, a storyboard uh-huh. uh, that Preston Blair did, uh-huh. uh, and they never made it. It was a Barney Bear cartoon 
drawn is uh, Tim Walker's in Tim Walker's collection, and he said, "Do you, do you like this?" And I was like, "I love this. This is terrific." And he's like, "Well, here you can Xerox a copy yourself." Can I get a copy? Uh, I'll I'll ask him tomorrow. Man, I'm, <laughs> Preston Blair, Barney Bearboard. There's the, two. There's two cartoons that they never two. produced. Yeah, yeah. Man, I want it. Yeah, yeah he, got, he came in. Yeah. Spencer came into my office. He's like, "Here, take a look at this." And so he had uh, color Xeroxes of uh, wow, you know, a late '40s Barney Bear cartoon that nobody ever yeah, saw. Yeah, that Preston Blair. And that was did when Preston and... was like co-directing them, wasn't he? Yeah, right. he was gonna be co-directing it with uh, Michael Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just sat down. I think it was in '48 when that specific unit just went went out. I don't wow. know why, but. I know they made Barney Bears until like like fifty two or fifty three or something like that, but I, I guess they just shook up the unit and and was that when Dick Lundy took over as director or? Well, you know what I, I'm trying to think like because he kind of he sort of shows I think he shows up at a couple of different points there, but uh-huh. but he ended up I think taking over the the kind of the last Tex Avery cartoons yeah at MGM that the last couple of Doopy cartoons co-directed and, and yeah you know, like so I'm not sure exactly what happened with uh, with Tex there I mean I, I think there was I don't I don't know if he's having some troubles and then he he eventually ended up over at uh, Lance Lance yeah doing the Chili Willies and, I think he needed he was I heard like. He was tired, or he was suffering from burnout, or he was just, you know, kind of had it, you know, for, or he needed a rest. I know he directed an awful lot of stuff within what was it, a ten, eight or ten year period. It's like an amazing amount of work. I mean, that all the Red Hots, Screwy Squirrels, Droopies, you know, and uh, he came, he was a, he was at he started at MGM in what forty three or forty four, and then left in fifty two. Nine years, big output. Yeah, yeah. there's some terrific, terrific cartoons and uh, yeah, yeah. But the, but the the Barney Bears that uh, you know the Preston Blair you know the that they did I, they made, I they made several of them mm-hmm. and uh, they really are terrific cartoons. So, yeah, um, beautiful animation. Yeah, and and so there's a couple more out there waiting yeah dad there's uh, some boards they're already done and uh, <laughs> there you, you know, okay warner yeah. brothers needs to step up and finish they're a couple of short, barney bear right? cartoons <laughs> like uh, online a few years ago there was a mickey mouse cartoon that was it was actually animated it was in rough it was in it was in pencil test and some of it was cleaned up animation it was uh called uh god what was it called um I want to say Bumble Boogie, but that wasn't it. it was a, It was a B cartoon. It was a. It was a. Mickey uh, is a musician who takes a bebop singing bee under his wing, and the bee is allergic to honey, which means every time he has honey or smells a flower, he kind of acts inebriated. Although they call it allergic to it, so he kind of goes off his nuts when he uh, when he. Uh, when he smells flowers and Mickey is trying to train him to be an opera singer, but the whole thing's animated and it's just sitting out there and, and all they have to do is clean. All they have to do is uh, basically color it and it's, and it's done. And it's got a voice track, musical track. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen that. Well, where did, where did you find that? Well, I think they ran it at either an animation, um, animation festival or, or a Disney festival. And it was, um, 
I mean, I think the the model sheet has been around for years. It has Mickey kind of wearing a fedora, and in some shots he's carrying like a, a, a uh, like a violin case under one arm, or he's directed like he's composing. It might have been uh, Fred Moore who did the the design on it. Maybe I'm 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 not one hundred percent sure, but it was it was a fully animated cartoon that came out before the Simple Things, which was the last Mickey short in '53. And this was him in kind of an atypical role. And again, sort of like that Tom and Jerry cartoon where it's somebody else doing the narration. It's not Mickey, the typical Mickey voice narrating. It's a, it's like Donald, it's like Donald's diary where, you know, it's somebody else's voice. It's kind of like this, well, I found the bee in this club and I was drinking a malt and he was singing bebop. And I thought, well, I'll take him home. And it was on a disc somewhere, or like it's a bonus feature, or no? It, it was it was a pencil test. It was a finished pencil test, and it was, um, and it was. Uh, but I mean, where did you see you? Oh, I saw it online. Somebody had posted it oh, online. So like on you on a YouTube on, a, on YouTube, and then it and then it got and then a lot of people began looking at it and commenting on it. And Harry Knowles actually saw it and said, "Disney, you know, John Lasseter, finish up this cartoon. You must." It's a it's a it's a lost buried treasure for just you know for a little amount of money you could color this up and and put it out there they're doing shorts again you owe it to Disney to do this and then it was yanked instantly because Disney saw it I think the reason they never finished it up and maybe that's why they never finished in the fifties was it looked like the bee was you know drunk drunk off his stinger from drinking nectar or something like that and maybe. For whatever reason, they never finished the cartoon. That maybe that's the reason. Maybe they felt it didn't play well with an audience, or it was too big a departure for Mickey. It's not like Mickey's getting drunk, but the bee is sort of, you know, inebriated or 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 whatever. It would have been a very simple. It's like the Donald cartoons with Spike the Bee, or you know, one of those little little characters. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was, uh, you know, Mickey Bee cartoon. If you just if you put that in. And uh, or unfinished Mickey B cartoon, and uh, it would some reference will come up to it if you do a Google search. Yeah, that's one thing uh, we haven't done Mickey Mouse yet. Oh, so. that's, that's a big one here. Yeah. Anything showing up, Ezra? Uh, give me a second. Google's searching now. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that, kind of a really neat thing, though, is that, like, you know these pencil tests and stuff they are popping up you yeah know, they are they do exist out there and it's you know i mean it's fun it's fun to see um see this stuff as a as a work in progress sure so. sure and, and you know sometimes it never really gets any better than the pencil test flight of the bumblebee flight of the bumblebee that's it yeah that's it and uh and I'm sure some executive is, you know, at Disney looks at it every so often and goes, "It's Mickey and an alcoholic bee. We just, we just can't do it, can't do it." <laughs> and it's like, no, it's not really, but it, it, it's kind of similar, but whatever. But if you can find it online, you know, it does drift around, and there are copies of it. But uh, again, it's like the Seven Dwarfs soup eating scene, you know, from Snow White. You know, occasionally it shows up, or you know, it's on a disc or something like that. There's Stuff that's just animated and never makes it into the picture and floats around for a while. What do you want, Muggsy? You want to go outside? You want something? Okay. Any anything else we need to cover? This has been a great session. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. 
want to want to talk some more about the video or anything to tell anybody? I, it comes out on um, August sixth. Just a, a little comment, sure. and I know this is a very sweet uh, cartoon. I think very probably as sweet as Nutcracker. I think. Uh -huh. And what I like about it is, and I, not to give away too much story for those sure. that obviously haven't seen the thing, but I love the story between the history between the father and the son. Oh, well. Terrific, terrific stuff. That reminds me of you and, and Spike. I mean, you know, uh, Joe Bradley looks kind of an awful lot like Spike. <laughs> I mean, he's got the hat and everything, and the whole idea of the the the... The generational passing the hat becomes kind of a symbol, you know, from the the father to the son and everything. And uh, I see a lot of you guys in there. I think Especially that's... dad. Dad's uh, dad and Joe Bradley. Oh my goodness. I know, but it's, it's uh, but I think it's great. I, I think it's a well-deserved uh, parallel. And uh, I, I um, just don't go anywhere, Spike. Yeah. I'm okay. Thanks. Not to tip things too much, but, uh, <laughs> you know. I had a lot of fun working on it. It was yeah, no, a, it, a career highlight for me. I was trying really to think, was. is there anything, is there anything, I mean, look forward to working working again with you, Paul, on these Anytime. things. Or on anything, I mean, you know, I know that you're, uh, you're, you're working on some other stuff right now, but yeah. uh, it is always, it a, always a, a real pleasure to, to work with you and, Mm -hmm. Whenever you know we're talking about writers on anything, you know your name is always uh, right there, right there at the top of the Thank list. Thank you. It's always it's always uh, an honor to work with you guys, as well as a hell of a lot of fun. It's it's wonderful to work with people where you all speak the same language. Where you know we're all just sitting here, and it's like, oh, Michael Locke co-directed that with Preston Blair. You know, it's like we have our own language and we speak that, and we all know what we're talking about, and. And not only does it make the job easier, it makes it a hell of a lot of fun, too. It's when we're all on the same page with that. It's cool. When does it come out? This August Tuesday. 6th. Yeah. August 6th. Yeah. August 6th. Or you can get it right now on Amazon for three ninety nine. And, right. and rent it. To plug it. Or uh, you can buy it online. I know I have copies reserved. I'm going to send it out to everybody. Everybody's getting that for Christmas this year. Yeah. So it's like my holiday gift. And... Uh, you probably got it in the supermarket too. I mean, you know, they sell family, you know, DVDs, you know, at port point of purchase here and there, and uh, probably find it pretty much just about everywhere. But that's the thing. Warner Brothers has really good distribution on like Tom and Jerry, Scooby Doo. They, uh, find it all across the globe. Find all across the globe. Coming right, and these are big. You know, these are these are, you know, overseas. Uh, uh, you know. Europe, I'm sure this will this will do well. Actually, you know, this would probably this particular one. I mean, it probably they do great in France anyway. But this one, because Droopy and Red and Screwy are so prominently featured in this one, there's tremendous merchandise on the Tex Avery characters in France because they're such a they become such cultural icons. So I can imagine this one performing particularly well over there because that has the MGM cameo value sort of like a Muppet movie where all the Muppets are in it playing different roles and stuff but uh, they, they do sell well overseas because uh, yeah they do great awesome and I think in Asia and Europe South America South yeah uh, awesome they are global characters now 
August 6th. August 6th. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Paul, <laughs> and thanks to uh, everyone for listening, and thanks uh, for anyone who will, you know, who loves Tom and Jerry and is looking forward to this new one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hopefully more beyond that. As you make them, we'll have you back and we'll we'll discuss them because they're fun to talk about. Bye, everybody. I don't know what happened to Misty. Misty? Bye, everybody. Misty says goodbye from the other room. <laughs> okay. And the dogs think she's outside without, without them. Okay. Bye, all. This has been another episode of Radio Rashi. If you've enjoyed this episode, let everyone know by leaving a review in the iTunes store. It's a great way to help others find us. You can also leave comments on RadioRashi.com, Facebook.com forward slash Radio Rashi, or follow us on Twitter at Radio Rashi or at Paul underscore Dini to leave us questions. Thanks for listening and tell your friends. Yeah, I got a little uh, gift there, it looks like. Oh, a birthday present for me. Thank nice. you. From our old pal John Chadwick oh. down and Laura uh, Laura Kilson down in uh, Florida way. I don't know. It's uh it's paper. Oh, <laughs> it's wow. wrapping He's paper. So generous. <laughs> it's this and it's this and this. It's two things. Okay. Two things. Two my birthday, August seventh, the day after the release of Tom and Jerry's Giant, giant is it, Adventure. Is it Tom and Jerry's Giant Adventure? Tom and Jerry's Giant Adventure. Is that what he gave you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but also, it's midweek. I, I, I'm lucky this year. I have a birthday between premieres. There's Tom and Jerry, mm-hmm. and then there's Hulk and the Agents of Smash that Sunday nice. on uh, Disney XD. And that's uh, that's what we'll talk about next time is uh, is the Hulk. And get Henry Gilroy or Eugene Sun or some of the folks from uh, Court or some of the folks from the production or Fred... Uh, Red cabbage, or maybe. Oh my God! It's a three caballero shot glass. Oh, nice! That is wonderful. Did you see the original lineup on auction from there? Yeah, I did. It was actually just production. It was like promotional artwork. Yeah. Still, I love that. That's that's great. And so it's this. That's a nice gift. This. Yeah, two two prizes. No cookies. No cookies. This might be cookies. Yeah. Let's see what this uh, Another pile of paper. It might be another shot glass. That's a hell of a gift. It's another one. All right. Saludos, amigos. It's three caballeros. It's two shot glasses. Nice. That's wonderful. Super cool. What do you say? I say thank you. I say, <laughs> uh, I say thank you. I say gracias. And how do you say thank you in Portuguese? Thank know. you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to say it like Jose Carioca, but I don't speak Portuguese. So, but those are very, those are lovely. Thanks, guys. <laughs>